heart stood still But he told us where we stand And Flash Gordon was there in silver underwear Claude Rains was the invisible man Then something went wrong For Fay Ray and King Kong They got caught in a celluloid jam Then at a deadly pace It came from outer space And this is how the message ran Hey, Flipside, this is Charlie, and we got Curtis, as always, and we got a very special guest, Mark Hoyt. Mark helps out with, he writes for the New Beverly Cinema. Uh, His hands are in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, I I mean, blink and you'll miss them, but, you know, my my gorgeous knuckles are in there for posterity. Yep. The server at Grandma's Pancake House was just blown away. She's like, oh, I do recognize those hands. (laughs) Yeah, somebody recognized his hands. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) <laughs> that would be. Has anybody recognized your hands? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> uh, especially since I didn't get to wear my rings. <laughs> yep. And then you're also reigning champ of. Well, beat the geeks uh, for you know anybody who you know actually remembers that show. All seventeen of you. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, it was a uh, Comedy Central game show. Uh, ran, that ran from uh, November of uh, 2001 to about the spring of 2003. And it w- had a uh, panel of experts in TV, music, movies, and specialty topics. Uh, contestants got easy questions. We got ridiculously difficult questions. If we answered correctly, we prevented contestants from winning money and prizes. You know, it was a low-stakes game show. Grand prize was a $5,000 prize package. Uh, so it wasn't exactly like millionaire, you know, not exactly prestigious, but but it, uh, that was the time of my life doing that show. And yes, I was the most challenged geek on the show as the movie geek, and you know, f- and for a while I was the the uh, you know dar- you know darling of goth girls everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish we could find though. Is, is there a way to watch that show? Now? No. <laughs> God, <laughs> it was even hard finding anything on YouTube. Well, there's a few the, little snippets. The, the problem is, it was a joint venture between Comedy Central and uh, Fox's TV division, and they're notorious for doing yankdowns on YouTube clips. Oh. And so, I mean, there's a few that have survived, but it seems like anytime someone put up something significant, it, it got flagged. Uh, that. They they do not want that show to come back. They have buried the tapes and salted the ground. <laughs> Did you no, like it, record it or anything like that on uh, tape I've or got anything? A, a friend of mine. I think taped almost every episode in S in SLP, but I've got the tapes. So one so, day I could oh go boy. through them and you know be like Norma Desmond in Sunset Boulevard and look at myself when I was young and desirable and had a career ahead of me. <laughs> or you can send them to, uh, you know, you can dupe them and send them to Flipside. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so how often did they uh, did they beat you? It wasn't that often, but it that's did what, happen. That's what Don said. He said they, they, you know, they didn't really beat you, know, you very a, often. Like, uh, I, the, what I am going to go to my grave in embarrassment with, you know, that they are going to... They're going to needle me about this until the day I die 
is, and let me set this up. Uh, one of the things they would do in the initial rounds is they would show a photograph of a celebrity to a contestant, and they'd have to identify them or give up a detail about a movie they made. Then when they'd go to us and they'd go with a lesser-known celebrity and we'd have to do the same thing. Now, there would always be some sort of tie between the two names. So, for example, uh, the, the contestant it gets shown a picture of Spike Lee, I get shown a picture of Spike Jones. You know, so there's, so that was kind of a strategy. So I always knew, okay, what, whatever they're getting, there's something related. So if I'm feeling shaky, I can take a minute to assess. So the contestant gets shown a picture of Mel Brooks. And then I get shown a picture of a pair of brothers. You know, identify these men in one of their movies. Now I'm thinking, okay, we've had Mel Brooks, you know, offensive comedy, you know, over-the-top jokes, and I guess that it's the Whites Brothers from American Pie. It's actually the Coen Brothers. Uh-oh. Now, please tell me, what do the Coens and Mel Brooks have in common? <laughs> Aside no from circumcision. <laughs> huh. Uh, yeah. And and the worst part is... I'm sure there's like seven layers of bacon there. After I, wa- after I lost my medal on that, you know, I'm trying to save face, and I said, uh, you know, it's like, it's like trying to find a recent picture of Stanley Kubrick. And then like a day later, one of my smart-ass friends emails me one of the last pictures of Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> <laughs> So oh, what no. happens if... Yeah, that's embarrassing, really. Like, So I, that's about scared. two or three seasons, right, that it was on? Well, no. Um, TV's kind of weird in terms of what designates a season because, uh, you know, it's for bookkeeping and mm-hmm. for, you know, like, contract augments and all of that jazz that we did an initial 65 episodes, and that would have been construed as a season, but it wasn't. It was actually a cycle. Because every, you know, the more seasons we would have done, the the more I would have gotten paid. So we type taped the first 65, and they started airing. And then around uh, the spring of 2002, we taped another 65, and that was considered the second cycle mm-hmm. instead of the second season. So I didn't get my raise. Uh. And so we did a total of 130 episodes, you know, stripped them five days a week. So Were they like half-hour episodes? Yeah. Okay. And then, well, one of the reasons why you never see reruns of Beat the Geeks as opposed to, you know, seeing umpteen reruns of Family Feud and Match Game and such was we were, uh, all of us geeks were supposed to get, you know, a tiny residual after the 10th airing of an episode. Like, they would get to run an episode ten times, but then if they ran it any more, we'd have to get paid. And guess what happened shortly after they had run all those episodes about ten times? Yoink! Yeah, oh man. They, those, they don't want to pay me. Wow, or that, any is, of us. that is crazy. They just go out of their way as much as they can not to pay people. Oh, well, it, well what's, what's even worse is that when we knew the, the writing was on the wall that uh, we were going to get canned, um, there was uh, IFC was interested in picking up the show, but 
Comedy Central had already canceled MST3K and Sci-Fi Channel had picked it up and gotten three more years out of it. So, you know, they were kind of embarrassed by that. So they would not they would not relinquish the show. You know, they didn't want to air it, but they didn't want anybody else to have it, which is kind of like having an ex who won't move out of the apartment, but they won't sleep with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's so, ridiculous. So IFC and gets together with the producer of Beat the Geeks, and they create Ultimate Film Fanatic, which is basically a show about finding another me. <laughs> and... <laughs> I was legally barred from having any involvement with the show because since it was technically a game show, it could be construed as effects. Oh, man. They, you got fucked over. <laughs> well, wow. <laughs> what? And give up show business? <laughs> hey, you know, most people never get to have a, 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 an experience like I had. So That's true. I rode that train as far as it would go. And now you're on all sorts of new adventures and all yeah, sorts of good you know, stuff. I've, anyway, I've so. done DVD commentaries. I've, you know, I've got I've got my knuckles in a Tarantino movie. <laughs> so, so how did that happen? How did you get a? Uh, how did you get involved with that? How did your hands end up in that? Well, uh, by virtue of my print collecting, because yeah, I've got like about maybe 20 features and over 200 trailers and you know lots of rare posters and such i i you know got into quentin's orbit and we would loan each other stuff from our collections i was working i was working in a uh, movie theater in los angeles and programming uh, or i was requesting to program some interesting stuff for midnight and needing material on them so we were so we started getting in contact that way and then after I left that theater, I started doing work for the New Beverly, which is the theater that he owns. Mm-hmm. And so we, so like, I mean, I can't, I can't say that we're friends. He's never had me to the house for dinner, but you know, we're we're cordial. So, uh, so when he was shooting Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, one of my side gigs was uh, projecting for. Another director, who I won't name, uh, who had a screening room in their house. And Quentin decided to use that screening room as a location. It's the screening room where Pacino is you know, watching his uh, Rick Dalton double feature. Right. And initially, I was just going to physically run the projector. Because in that scene, even though you just get flashes of it, they're running actual film in in that sequence uh, uh, just for uh, I, I'm sure it's been noted elsewhere but the, the two little snippets of film that you see are the opening credits of Across a Crooked Sky with uh, Richard Boone and uh, a, a glimpse of Hell River with uh, Rod Taylor and Adam West so there were actual you know, film footage of those you know, no digital compositing later that I was running on a projector. And that was kind of complicated because it was a very small booth and they had to take out the lamp house that was normally in there and put in an even brighter lamp house because they've got to put this special shutter 
on the projector that'll synchronize with the camera so that you know you don't get flickered and it'll look smooth mm-hmm. and you got to make it really bright so but by requisite of the studio you also had to put in a digital projector you know, just in case the the whole setup didn't work you know no nobody was planned on using it but it had to be there so all of this stuff is crammed into the booth which means i've got to get down on my knees and just barely you know i'm in like a i i'm in you know like a four by three by you know, <laughs> you know the kind of stuff that normally you pay a dominatrix a hundred dollars an hour to be confined in and and you know operating the the projector and you know looking fu- to make sure that everything's in focus but I'm doing that, and I'm having a grand time. And then during a break in filming, uh, there is a scene, you can see it in the trailer, but it's not in the final film, where there's an actor playing a projectionist. That, you know, that if you look in the trailer, you see an over-the-shoulder shot as Pacino's walking past him, and he gives him, like, a roll him, Charlie kind of signal. And so, and that was that was being shot, but during a break... Uh, Quentin said, oh, I, I, I don't want to use his hands, though. They're too beefy. And he's like, <laughs> we should use Mark's hands. And like, uh, are you sure? They're kind of soft and ladylike. <laughs> and he's like, well... Uh, oh, no, those are great knuckles. Well, he said, uh, I, it was him or either somebody else on set said, uh, you have the hands of a Persian housewife. So... <laughs> So, but we didn't do them that day. It was like a, about two months later. I went to a soundstage and did those insert shots of uh, me pulling a reel of film out of the can and threading up the projector. If I remember correctly, it kind of does fast cuts on that. Where it's like in the movie, it's you know it's cut very fast. I, I there was like one shot that was supposed to be done that didn't get done of me like using a guillotine splicer. And I kept thinking, okay, a shot like that, that's going to be in the trailer. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, as a joke, I asked the editor, uh, if my hands make it to the trailer, do I get a raise? <laughs> I would think and, so. Yeah. Now, nah, please. That's a, that's a high honor to be in the trailer. <laughs> well, I, well, I didn't make it to the trailer, but... Look. Yeah. That's still really cool. You got to, got to do all that. That was mm-hmm. awesome. Maybe later the movie will get, like, you know, cult status, you know, like 30 years from now, and we'll do, like, a recut for the trailer to make it for more <laughs> modern audiences. Yeah. And that, those uh, a tw- a 20th anniversary. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't, I don't see that happening, but I have in when people have done super cuts of, uh, like, movies from 2019, I have seen them, use, you know, unaware of my involvement, use my... You know, my shots in their supercut. Hey, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, hell, that's a hell of a story. Goddamn, just yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, we talked about once upon a time. Huh? I think we did a Blu-ray review of that movie. So yeah, I think we did. Yeah, you, when you, you picked up the was it like a steelbook or something? Yeah, it was like a Best Buy exclusive steelbook. Yeah, oh, I missed out on those. Yeah, they were pretty cool. So, anyways, we're out. So, today, uh, well, okay, so yesterday, Mark 
comes to the skyline. It wasn't your first time. It's second time, right? It's my second time at the skyline in Shelbyville, but it's my first uh, pandemonium weekend. Yeah, and I think after two times, you're able to make a pretty good judgment on the skyline. So what do you think? How are you liking the skyline? Um, well... I've been I've been spending some time uh, in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, for uh, uh, family matters. So, and Cincinnati is my hometown. And since I had you know all of this time to, to kill you know, with you know the limited options that are out there, I decided to go on a, a drive-in spree. I was going to almost every open drive-in within a hundred-mile radius, or not a hundred or either 100 miles or 100 minutes, one or the, one or the other, um, that you know, are open and showing something that I wanted to see. Yeah. So I've, I've hit about eight drive-ins total, and uh, th- I think that uh, the Skyline is my favorite of the bunch. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. I, you know, and you're not the first to say that. I, Glenn's here, too. We're going to hook Glenn up with a mic. Glenn, why don't you sit over here if you want a mic? That mic's on there. Glenn, uh, Glenn travels all over the place with drive-ins, and he says Skyline's his favorite. What, what do you think? What do you think about it? Would you say makes it like food-wise, people-wise? Um, well, movie-wise? it's it's definitely all the personal touches. Uh, the you know, the uh, the beverages at the snack bar. The fact that you can get cheer wine on tap. Yeah, I have never been anywhere where they have cheer wine on tap. You've no. got to like buy it in the bottle, and of course, there's like a huge markup on it. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I can and I can get a large cheer wine or uh, or triple X root beer or the the Green River Soda. The Green River Soda is a revelation. And, and by the way, you get a free refill on that because a lot of people don't know that, but you get one free refill. Just so yeah, you know. yeah. That I mean, it, they're they're doing it safely because you know. The, the bane of my existence in this entire period of sequester is the fact that, you know, I used to go to 7-Eleven with my, with my big cinema cup and, you know, get a 99-cent refill, and you can't do that now. So, I mean, yeah. so what they got to do for the refill is they got to give you a new cup. And, you know, a lot of places, you know, they inventory their cups. They're not just going to, you know, give them out willy-nilly, yeah. but they take care of you here. So, yeah, they do. And, um, and so, is that your first time with Green River, or? Yeah, I had, yeah. I never even knew Green River existed before I came to the skyline. Yeah, it's damn good. And we used to have that moo moo. What was that? Chocola. Chocola. We used that to have was a, that was an Indiana drink. It was well, kind of like it was, was kind of like It was in Ohio too, because when I was a kid growing up in Cincinnati, I remember seeing commercials for Chocola mm-hmm. all the time, but. Weirdly, I don't think I ever saw it in the stores. So, like, maybe they had it in a different neighborhood than I lived in. But I, you know, I saw I saw the Chocola commercials, and I wanted to try it, but I never found it. Yeah, I think the main difference between Chocola and YooHoo is Chocola is made with actual milk, right? And then YooHoo is just water. I think. Glenn's nodding his head. Sounds about right. I think that's about right. Yeah, they had to stop selling it here because uh, I guess Chocola had distribution issues. So they had to just drop it because they used to even sell it in the twelve packs. Green River, you had the you had the pretzel loin. Oh, the pretzel loin! Oh, what <laughs> oh what a what a beautiful concoction! Uh, <laughs> you know the you know the the the, the, ten, the tenderloin patty between two soft pretzels and you know bacon and onion. Oh, you know I think 
Yes, uh, what's what's that line from uh, the Bloom County comic strip? Uh, L.H. Putgrass in his arteries. Thank you deeply. <laughs> <laughs> Very deeply. <laughs> Deep right into the artery. Yeah, the yeah the the unique menu items. Uh, you know, there, you know, little touches like having music playing over the FM frequency when you come in before the show starts. Because a lot of drive-ins use the radio frequency, but a lot of them, you know, don't do anything with it before the show. So you just and it's good like drive-in music too. Mm-hmm. Like it's like yeah, kind of like fifties, and then he does like the cramps during it, the pandemonium. It's, get, it's getting you in the mood. Um, all of the uh, creative uh, promos that are created specifically for the drive-in along with uh, you know, v- vintage ads for atmosphere. Uh, the fact that uh, Skyline can do 35mm where almost everybody else has abandoned it for digital. So they're, they're very versatile in what they can program and, and uh, do, doing you know, bonkers events like these. Yeah, and I always liked the concession stand too. They got all this, all these, uh, like the Willy Wonka, oh, got like yeah, the lollipop, the, the, and it yeah, says the, candy. Yeah, the, the paintings. Yeah, you know, that, you know, there, there's that. This is this is definitely run with an enormous amount of affection. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe's a big fan, and one thing Joe always tells us that's important. Well, there's two things Joe says that are important. One is he's a restaurant. That yeah. plays movies. Yes. That's important. Every to have theater that. owner will tell you the exact same thing. Mm. You, know, you got to put the well. Food any first. theater owner worth his you know, right. Worth, you got to put the come you got to put the food first. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. well, that's your money maker. Some people don't do that. You know. Oh yeah. Uh, but um, and the second thing is, he likes playing movies that you can get up, go to the bathroom, go to the concession, you know, get some food, come back, and still know what's going on. You know what I mean? It's got to have that sort of fun, fast-paced sort of yeah. movie. Like well, well, of course, the swarm I felt like oh, was God. not that. But I did not like that movie at all. Which one? The uh, swarm. swarm. The swarm with we the beast. We watched the director's oh. cut. Oh, that was a director's <laughs> cut. Yeah, the director's cut was like three hours or something. Like yeah. That. Oh man. I was not a fan of that. I think we were uh, just like kill us. Me and Andy Zax from uh, <laughs> Beat the Geeks uh, talked very fondly about. Uh, the swarm and other films of its ilk because uh you know i it's i i should be ashamed to admit that until i met andy zacks i had never seen the poseidon adventure in its entirety and he was the one who finally kicked me in the pants and said you have to watch it and i'm so glad i finally caught it because you know how uh, there's that meme that goes around every Christmas of it's not Christmas until I see Alan Rickman fall from the Nakatomi building. Yeah. I have my own where it's not New Year's until Shelley Winters goes swimming. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think what time was it when that played? It was really late. I think late that was the second. I remember well, like, no, it, 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 it was, was the second movie, and I arrived late. And it just. It kept going. That was the biggest problem. It kept going. It was two and a half hours, I think. No, it, I think it was like 2.45. Two hours and 45? Yeah. Okay, well, it was almost three hours. Yeah. And uh, we were like, boy, this is probably about over, and it, we were probably like halfway. Yeah. But And um, then Steven was keeping track of the time like he usually does, and he said... Yeah, Steven does that. Yeah. We have a good group because... Uh, we have people that love they're so passionate about movies so loving about it that when they come here they're driving like Mark last night 
jotting down all the trailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steven usually does a good job of writing down what's shown, how long it was. Then he checks it with uh, what you know Wikipedia has for runtime to make sure yeah. there's no scenes missing. Yeah, and, stuff and Steven like that. said that uh, Splatter University was a little short. Yeah, he said it was like 58 minutes, and it's supposed to be 76. Yeah, something like that. It's like 78 or 76. Yeah. yeah. It's so, about 20 minutes. Yeah, almost as if an entire reel was missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long time. And, uh, well, so last night was a blast. We watched the uh, first movie was Drive-In, which was that was the first time me watching it. I don't know about Curtis. Oh, uh, I actually missed it. I'd, oh, that's right. I had yeah, to work. He had yeah. To work. I, I absolutely love the movie. It had a lot of like seventies tropes to it and it had like truckers. I had a it had a roller rink scene. It had a bunch of cool stuff. And then the music for Drive In was my favorite part. It, it had that seventies country music. Well, I think what's what's very canny is uh uh the new Beverly has played Drive In in the past and on one occasion, they paired it with Dazed and Confused, and it's a very great combo because you know one is a legitimate '70s time capsule, and the other is a you know retroactive one. Mm. But and they're both set in Texas, and and they're all about you know they're kind of all in one night uh, or one day uh, stories, and they're just you know brimming with you know, authentic local culture and. I had, I had seen Drive In on the ABC Friday Night Movie as a kid, but I didn't remember a damn thing from it. Uh, so this was like basically seeing it again for the first time, you know, and really appreciating it. But yeah, yeah it's got a tremendous uh, country music uh, soundtrack on it. Uh, some uh, some stuff that I like. Uh, it had uh, Ray Stevens' cover of Misty, w- which uh, I- is a great one. And, uh, oh, there was – it was Jerry Reed covering, uh, you know, uh, an otherwise, like, rock and roll song. But I'm blanking on it at the moment. And mm, Yeah, I don't know if I remember that. And I might have been in the booth at that time. I wonder if the soundtrack is that – if you just, like – I guess it's probably just good on YouTube. I check well, it out. I'm doubting that they ever released a soundtrack album, but I do think it's one of the, the last I checked. I think there is a burn on demand DVD of Drive-In you can get uh, from from Sony, but the, it's up until then it's never had a you wow. know, proper had like video a, release because the music rights yeah. were too expensive. Wow, yeah, and that there's there's no real stars in it. You know, it was all these. You know, young up and comers like the biggest name that is in the movie retroactively, I'd say, is Trey Wilson, who went on to play Nathan Arizona in Raising Arizona, and a couple he was in a couple other Coen Brothers movies. You know, before he you know like you know died in his like I guess he was only in his late fifties or so. He wasn't an old man. And what was that Peter Sellers poster you pointed out in the? Uh, if you, in the in the the scenes uh, involving the concession stand, there is a poster for a Peter Sellers movie called "Where Does It Hurt," which was also directed by Rod Amato, who did Drive In, and so that was probably his little inside joke to himself. Uh, there's also a poster, of course, for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because you know Texas, uh, and I'm thinking. 
I'm wonder. I have to wonder because I believe uh, Amato's dead, and I might be mixing up my rods. But I think the last thing he did was the Garbage Pail Kids movie. You know, so some oh, people what a hell way to go out. So some, <laughs> so some people would say, yo, that movie killed him, but or his career anyway. But I remember that Where Does It Hurt was not a very successful movie, and if like if you see. Uh, the life and death of Peter Sellers with uh, Jeffrey Rush, not a very good movie. I mean, Rush is good playing Sellers, but it's just so hammering the oh, Sellers was a bastard and so unlikable, and and yeah. after a while you're thinking, well, if that's the case, why did he have a goddamn career? You know, you know <laughs> let's have a little more nuance on on this person. Well, it's your typical Hollywood. Over exaggerating yeah. everything, and but there, but there's a line of dialogue when you know they're showing the string of flops that Sellers has before he reunites with Blake Edwards to do Return of the Pink Panther, and he says, "Oh, they, oh, the cinemas have a uh, unique way of uh, cleaning of uh, cleaning out uh, ant and roach problems. They program one of my films, and nobody shows up." <laughs> yeah, I remember that whole bit, and then they, then they talked a little briefly about him and being there as that has sort of his redemption for his entire well, life. Yeah, I mean that that's I mean clearly that's the kind of movie he wanted to do and if he had lived long enough he probably would have finally gone off on on that track of doing better material. Yeah, yeah. so but th- yeah, so there's that little inside Rod Amato joke inside drive-in. And it was in a trailer that played later. It was on a marquee what, was it on a was it on a marquee? Yeah, because yeah, because you pointed that out too. Oh, we thought yeah. that was bizarre. What are the odds? I guess mm-hmm. is what we thought. But um, I'm I missed a little bit of drive. I I actually watched most of driving from the projection booth because we had a uh, special introduction for Roger Ward. Uh, well, Roger Ward introduces Mad Dog Morgan, and he sent me a video clip. And I had sent it to Joe, and it was an MP3. Well, Joe can't play MP3s on the digital projector, so usually he puts it on a DCP, converts it. Well, he forgot to do that, and I kind of mentioned to mentioned it to him like an hour before the movie was going to start. I was like, hey, did you ever get that DCP of Roger Ward? And he's like, oh, shit. So we run to the projection booth. I'm, th- I'm thinking I'm going to have to like go to Joe's house, you know, get a key, get in his house, start his computer up and do this DCP because the computer that they have in the projection booth sucks. Uh, but by some miracle, it took like an hour, which is all we had, to convert that that one-minute clip into a DCP so we, we could play it. And I about had an aneurysm in the projection booth because I was like, this is going to make the night, you know. This this is a really important oh, part. It, it, was a, it was a beautiful touch. Yeah. It did play, and we got to play, and I about had a heart attack in the projection booth. And Roger Ward is a really nice guy for doing that oh, twice. Yeah. That's I, really cool. Well, I feel kind of bad that there wasn't enough time for me to get you know something similar done with Philippe Mora, the director, because I've known him for years. Uh, that I I take a certain amount of pride in having orchestrated the belated. L.A. premiere of The Return of Captain Invincible at the theater I was working at, because uh, The Return of Captain Invincible is this 
very funny for me anyway. Uh, comedy with uh, Alan Arkin and Christopher Lee, where Alan Arkin plays uh, a washed-up alcoholic superhero who gets called back into service when uh, Christopher Lee is his longtime nemesis, Mr. Midnight, is uh, launching this uh, diabolical racist scheme in America. And it's also a musical, and <laughs> it has uh, songs oh, by... Oh, Curtis's uh, favorite. I was, about, I was about ready to say... I was actually getting ready to say, you had me until you said musical. And, well, musicals. it has songs by Richard O'Brien from the Rocky Horror oh, Picture Show. Because uh, Philippe is Australian, and one of the guys that he hung with regularly before moving to America was Jim Sharman, who was also Australian and did the original stagings of the Rocky Horror Show before he directed the movie. So he so Philippe has always had this indirect tie to the Rocky Horror universe. Uh, and it has a dynamite showstopper number with uh, Christopher Lee singing a song called Name Your Poison, where oh he's God, basically in trying to make Alan Arkin become an alcoholic again. <laughs> uh, so this movie was supposed to open... In uh, the early 80s, Jensen Farley was going to release it, and they they had taken out TV ads, they'd taken out billboards, and they had actually released it in a few test cities, like they had, because there are prints floating around. They had they had test marketed it under the title Legend in Leotards, because I own one of those prints. But went before they were going to do the big national release, like. Three days before Jensen Farley closed up shop, and it never happened. You know, it you know it came out on VHS, came out on Laserdisc. Uh, Elite did a very nice DVD that I helped track down the trailer for when it first came out. But uh, but when I was uh, you know help programming Midnight's. I really lobbied to get that screened, and they listened to me, and we did it, and Philippe was there, and his family, and they're wonderful people. Oh, and That's awesome. So, you know, he's been a very valued friend since, and I think, I don't know if he knew about this show, but I think he would have gotten a huge kick out of, so I, I, I'll, I'll have to tell him about this after uh, we wrap. Yeah, yeah, that'll yeah. be cool. I did send the uh, clip of everybody getting excited and cheering to Roger Warden, and he was very—he he messaged me back and was very happy about it. So it's good. I mean, he, you know, he—I'll—I I don't know, but some of these some of these actors don't realize how big their movies are to people, how much they mm-hmm. mean to people, and then they get sent stuff and they're like shocked. Yeah, for sure. Know? And so I, I think that's good, you know, because he deserves. It. I mean, he's a great. Oh, actor. absolutely. Yeah, he's he's great. And I love Mad Dog Morgan. That's such a good movie. We've talked yeah. about it before on yeah. the on the show. Yeah, and and then uh, he called Dennis Hopper an asshole right on the big <laughs> yeah. on the big screen. A lot of people got a kick out of that. Well, you know, De- you know, De- Dennis is gone. He can't do anything about it. And <laughs> you know, Roger did quantify you know the statement with you know some regards for his memory. Yeah. 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 He did it with class. Yes. Yeah. He didn't just you know. Yeah, he was, him. yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, he, you know, rightfully called him out for the the meathead stuff he did, but acknowledged uh, what greatness he had in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, on on our show, he he talked in great depth about working with Mel uh, Gibson too. 
And that was that that was a good treat. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. He had, he had quite a few good things to say about Mel Gibson, didn't he? Mhm. Yeah. So we got that. So that that was a lot of fun for Mad Dog Morgan. Mad Dog Morgan's a great movie. If you haven't watched it, check it out. Yeah. Then after that, uh, we start playing Splatter University, which we kind of talked about that, where we think it might have been missing a reel, probably. Yeah, but the color I, looked really good. Oh, and Mad yeah. Max looked really good. Oh, the Mad Dog Morgan or Mad Dog Morgan, gorgeous. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah the. The, the irritating thing about Mad Dog Morgan is that there's, like, really no good home video edition of it. There's a trauma DVD that's atrocious looking. Oh, God. Amazon Prime has it, and it's garbage. Yeah. Uh, Tubi has the has the uh, restor, restored version. But even the restored yeah. version, I feel like, isn't... I, I, I thought the the, uh, the print was better. Yeah, because yeah, when I watched it on Tubi, it, it, looked, it looked pretty decent on Tubi. Like, you know, this was an original release print, and it still looked like it had been minted yesterday you know it yeah. didn't have any fade you know the, i mean it was i don't think it was ib tech but that was it the color on it was just really good and not it wasn't you know beat up or riddled with scratches it the was splatter you looked really good too because the color was really good and it, and it had just the right amount of scratches and kind of graininess well it. the the director of splatter university is a fellow named uh, richard w haynes and when he's not making movies, he's like a really good expert on film and film processes and history. And because uh, he did a uh, uh, he did a 3D movie at you know at a time when 3D movies were not in vogue. I I'm gonna screw up the title. I think it was Space Mutiny. And he went and got like the last of the IB Tech equipment in China to shoot it with. So oh, that's he, pretty hardcore. So, <laughs> so he knows, like, color processes yeah, and how to say get so. the most out of a, a, what, you know, your resources. Because he, oh. uh, he also made a Class of Nukem High. Oh, nice. Uh, I love he, that movie. So he, he, he's, he's, got, he's got a good uh, eye, eye for composition. So, yeah, we, after Splatter University, we then showed Astro Zombies, which... We have seen Don's 16 millimeter print of Astro Zombies, but now we got to see the 35, and it looked it looked pretty good. Uh, a lot of the color was faded, but there was still color, and uh, it, was, it was really scratchy. But um, yeah, I mean, I love you know, what's the point of watching 35 if it's not if they're all not in different you know forms mm-hmm. of you know, some are in bad shape, some are in good shape. <laughs> One yeah. thing uh, Don and me always say is with a what, what's so great about 35 and why we love it so much is that there's no other print in the world that looks like that print you're watching. A DVD, you know, you put in that VHS of Duck Soup, it's going to look the same. Mm-hmm. Well, VHS kind of did have a little bit of that thing down. where it could wear down. Yeah, but, so well, yeah. especially you had, if like, you were, a DVD. you know, like... You, you know, had like a manual when you were rewinding to the same yeah. scene over and over again and you started getting video noise on that section. But yeah, that if that you get a, a DVD or a Blu ray and by virtue a CD, you're going to get the exact same recording, you know, and experience regardless of how many copies you buy. But you know, you buy you buy a record on vinyl. You know, you, you buy it new or you buy it used. 
if you buy you know the initial pressing or you buy a pressing on cheaper vinyl later there are all these variables that come into play that make listening to it a unique experience and that's the same thing with 35 you know some yeah you know some people crave consistency but you know what's the you know consistency is uh, the domain of hobgoblins or some shit like that <laughs> Consistency is kind of boring that, yeah. sometimes too. It's just like you know. Yeah, you know to me getting, it's exciting. Like yeah, it's, we're, we're like, the we're the only ones that have a we're the only ones that you know the print. It's there's no other print like it. Yes, it's its own you know thing. Whereas a DVD, you know, there's like it's yeah. a million, you know. One. So that's kind of that. That's one of the many reasons why we prefer when they show the thirty five and. Um, you know, I thank God that the Skyline is able to do that, and and luckily they're still they're able to do the digital. I mean, we were there during the scariness that was them needing to buy a digital, oh, kind of yeah. on the, the the fundraisers and the yeah. Those are pretty scary times, you know. Digital projector or not? I mean, you feel like the fate of the Skyline is in jeopardy, and also. Uh, when this whole COVID thing came about, we kind of were worried a little bit, you know, because no revenue was coming in there for like a month or so. Yeah, and they'd already started working on the second screen because they're going to put a second screen in. So, like, that's what that thing over there is. I think that's the projection booth, right? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Because so. I was, I was wonder, I was wondering why they have this big shack back there, and like, like, who can see over yeah. the? So they're going to have a double screen. Yeah, they're going to have a second screen there one day. So okay. they've got this pandemic going on at the beginning of the year, and they started working on that. No revenue, you know. They had to open late, I think, because of the COVID, and we were kind of worried there for a little while too. That might really hurt their year. And then now they're they were forced to play older movies all year long, which we love, but mm-hmm. we know that you yeah, know the, the it, big it, stuff. It, it can it can be a hard sell to get people to leave the house for anything let alone for something that you know they might own yeah. in some capacity or already watch, yeah netflix or yeah i will I mean, say this year has been the best year for the skyline as far as movies played and as far as people coming because you know people still actually do want to come and see legend and labyrinth on the big screen with their family oh yeah. you know and stuff yeah. like that so that all of the all the drive-ins i've been to you know there's been some sort of combination of first run and repertory or flat out repertory and I've note and I've noticed on the nights and the venues I went to when they were doing straight repertory they were still drawing a decent attendance like I went to uh, Hamilton Ohio and saw like a you know a family oriented double of uh, minions in Hotel Transylvania and the place was packed with cars and families and then i went to uh amelia to see uh, a labor day night show of Smokey and the bandit and bullet and that place was filled up and you know when i when i was in uh, back in la earlier this summer i went to uh claremont to, for a double of uh, goonies and gremlins and that was really well attended what a, what a perfect segue for glenn here <laughs> so okay Glenn travels around the country going to theaters that play Goonies. And we have an official... So uh, we're going to do something special right now. We have an official Goonie count for Goonie Glenn. That's what his nickname. 
Glenn, take it away for that because I'm excited here about how many times Glenn has gone to the drive-in to see Goonies this season, just this season. Well, this season with COVID-19, with every, every drive-in having to show pretty much retro movies, uh, it has reinvigorated my love of Goonies. And my official count, not including when I saw it this week at a regular theater, um, is actually only 13. But I have seen it 13 times in three different states. Yeah, see, I was I was expecting like 50 or something. Well, not quite that many, but so yeah, 13, hey, between Ohio, Indiana, and Tennessee. Still, 13 times to see Goonies in how many months? Would you say like five, oh, six? About five months, yeah. From five about months. April to September. Yeah, so that's multiple times a month. What's the that's best pairing with Goonies that you've seen of all of those? Ooh, that's a good one. For me, Gremlins. Goonies and Gremlins. The two Gs. Pairing. Yep. Yes. yes, I've seen that combination several times this year. And what's the second best? Oh, gosh. Might have to get back to you on that one. Um, I did see it with Minions, which I enjoy. Um, for now, we'll go with Minions until I can think of a better one. But I only ask because as great a combo as Gremlins and Goonies is, I get a little concerned if everybody is doing that combo, then it kind of loses some of its luster. You know, that you want to see people... You don't want to just see them copy each other. You want to see them, like, you know, shake it up and mix things up. And that was something that was a little disappointing, is I thought more drive-ins would not show the same things. And it seemed like there were still quite a few drive-ins kind of they quite a few like Jurassic Park with, you know, Back to the Future or whatever. Quite a few drive-ins actually had that combo, and they were actually selling out. COVID selling out, of course. Some of them still doing the social distancing one car in between poles, but... Even when they started saying, okay, you can have two cars in between two poles, they were still selling out with Goonies and Gremlins, that combo. You said one driver had it for like three weeks, right? Or was it like a month? Uh, I think Georgetown did, actually, yeah. And Because they, they were selling and out. They were selling still. out, yeah. Billy was selling Goonies, out almost yeah. every week. Yeah. There's uh, Bob East over there. Oh, yeah. Director of uh, Pit Fire of Hell and the upcoming Holy Shit Man. Those are going to be fun. Harrison's on his way, by the way. Okay, so here we got Harrison on the way. And um, so, all right, so first night of Pandemonium was awesome. We're really excited about second night. Uh, Curtis, you had some uh, Blu-ray releases coming up, right? You want to go over those? Yeah. Pretty uh, pretty good it Blu-ray releases reloaded, coming up. actually so I'll have to, I'll have to bring it back up again. But uh, the big but, yeah, one. there's actually quite a bit of stuff. We'll start off with... Uh, there's this really cool looking one right here. Let me turn up my brightness so you guys can see it. I've never heard of it. It's a Jackie Chan movie. It's a Shaolin Wooden Men. Oh yeah, I saw that announcement. It's a that's a '88 in England. Yeah, '88 film. So I'm I'm not region I'm not, I'm region locked. I don't have yeah, region I'm, free. I'm not region free yet either on blue. I'm region free on regular DVD. So yeah, you guys got to do that. You got to make the plunge. Opens a whole new world. Well, I, you know, hundred bucks. I can do it now. I, I'll say this: if I go region free, I want this to be the last Blu-ray player I ever buy. So <laughs> I, I want to try and get a 3D one while they're still out there. 
Yeah. So who's putting out spiritual kung fu whatever? Uh, th- that's eighty-eight films. So we're not uh, sure. Yeah, I guess yeah, it'll yeah. probably be region locked. So with eighty-eight just keep films, they always advertise as region B, but some of their stuff plays region A. I, I bought uh, Anthropophagus and Absurd on Region B, and it did play on my uh, PlayStation. So yeah, so you never know. Sometimes, like especially Era Video, because I even emailed them. If sometimes if it's listed on their website when they're doing a sale, and it's like twelve dollars for an Era Blu-ray during their sale, and you can have it shipped to the U.S. on their website, sometimes it'll say Region B, but contractually they have to list it as Region B when it might be Region Free. Yeah, so you know, you never know. But I but I, I, I recommend highly recommend to get a region free Blu ray player. Yeah. It's a hundred bucks and it it just opens so many like more and, and a good resource just to check all that I think is like Blu ray dot com. I think they post a lot of that kind of info. And then there's a Ronan Flicks is putting out and I spit on your grave uh, Blu ray. Includes a 44-page booklet, two 16 by 20-inch posters, and two magnets. Oh hell yeah! Uh, it's it's going to have uh, the original movie, uh, Mayor Zarki's uh, personal sequel to it, because there have been other remakes and sequels that he wasn't involved in, and there's going to be a feature-length documentary about the history of the movie. So. That, I think, will be the thing I'm most interested in seeing because I have uh, my old Elite edition of uh, I Spit on Your Grave with the Joe Bob Briggs commentary, and that's great. I mean, I'd love to have it in blue upgrade, but I think that's the, the, the clincher will be that, that new doc. Yeah. So we've got another one here. It's uh, For all the people who like to upgrade, is uh, Army of Darkness is getting a 4K UHD release by Scream Factory in 2021. Well, that'll be interesting. Huh, in terms did they ever of do Evil Dead 2? They just skipped Evil Dead 2 because they did Evil Dead 1 4K. Now oh, yeah. they're doing Army of Darkness. Well, Scream Factory didn't do it. Like uh, right. I think Lionsgate currently controls Evil Dead 1 and 2, so they did the upgrades on those. If, if Scream Factory does this 4K the same way that they did their previous blue where they get the various different cuts of the movie because and source them from film because that was the big thing about Scream's Blue is that you know that the director's cut of Army of Darkness for years if you got it off Anchor Bay it was sourced from tape because MGM owned the elements overseas and they weren't going to play ball but since Scream was doing deals with both Universal and MGM they were able to get access to their film material to do their blue so with any luck they're going to do that again Cool. All right, so another release we've got is uh, coming in 2021 from Blue Underground, uh, 4K UHD is Fire and Ice, 1983. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't, I've never That's seen That's the this. Ralph uh, Bakshi. I know Frank Frazetta did something with it. He's like a really legendary, uh, did comic book covers and fantasy art. and Yeah, it's kind of known, I guess, as kind of like a, an adult animated thing, like yeah. heavy metal kind of, yeah. you know, what's... And it, it, he does that style of animation where he uses live action, and then draws over it. Rotoscoping. And um, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes it's cool. Sometimes I'm like, eh. But I, I do like Fire Nice, and I do like um, Wizard and Lord of the Rings and all that stuff. So I mean, I like it. It's a weird choice of style. It's going to turn some people off though, especially. ADHD 
kids nowadays, you know, ADHD kids today. And then from Vinegar Syndrome, we've got Beastmaster and Fade to Black. Oh, yeah. And it's so funny because, um, you know, you had to get, if you wanted to watch Fade to Black, you had to get a bootleg. And there's actually a really well-done bootleg of Fade to Black on Blu-ray. And um, I may or may not have just purchased that like a week ago. And then they made this announcement. Well, Fade to Black had been streaming on Shudder for about a month before this announcement came yesterday. And I am I am wagering that it's the same transfer. You know, that they kind of quietly put it on Shudder to, you know, tease it. And how, how, how much do you want to bet, you know, that, that boot, you know, that bootleg that surfaced came from it? Yeah. Now, those will be, both be available uh, Black Friday, so... Um, and they're 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 teasing uh, some other stuff uh, for Black Friday. They haven't announced titles, so some type of Jallo box. Set. Well, they, they did announce the titles in the Jallo box, and I'm I'm excited about those. Yeah, French Sex Murders, The Girl in Room Two A, My Dear Killer. Yeah, so uh, Girl in Room Two A, as they mention in their blurb, it's one of the only Jallos shot in Italy, but directed by an American. Hmm. That's and, bizarre. Then, and then uh, French Sex Murders. I believe has uh, the uh, Humphrey Bogart impersonator Robert Saki, uh, Robert Saki, uh, in in one of the lead roles. That uh, you know he's one of these figures that nobody remembers anymore. But in the seventies, uh, Robert Saki made a really great living impersonating Humphrey Bogart uh, in commercials, and he did. He did like a uh, a live lecture, you know, kind of like when Hal Holbrook would play Mark Twain, where he'd you know talk in character about events of the day. And there's a really great movie that he starred in called The Man with Bogart's Face, which uh, has an amazing cast of uh, Franco Nero, Victor Buono, Sybil Danning, oh shit, uh, uh, Alessia Brevard, uh, and you know putting. About an LAPD detective who gets plastic surgery to look like Bogart, and then open, you know, changes his name to Sam Marlowe and opens a detective agency and stumbles into a you know Bogart-esque uh, case. Oh my god, that's fucking wild! Yeah, that's it, the plot. It, it's a really it's a really fun movie. You know, full of uh, you know great character actors. It's almost as wild as the plot is Manitou. That's. That's about up there. <laughs> That's and then, awesome. Uh, so, coming to 4K UHD and Blu-ray on uh, December 14th is uh, Tremors 4K from Arrow. Yeah. And that's kind of interesting because they're doing this big set. What do you guys think of Tremors? Um, I'm not a big fan, but my wife loves it, so I watch it a lot. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I certainly don't hate it. I just... I'm kind of the same way. I think as a kid I loved it because it's like these giant worms are around and it's just kind of hokey it's kind of like a hokey um you know it's got a nice hook well you can't stay on the ground and you can't make it's got it's got sort of a dune it's basically the floor is lava (laughs) i gotta say that i haven't watched tremors in a long time but every time i've watched it i've been like oh you this is (laughs) this is better than average this this is a this is a lot of fun you know there there's definitely 
you know, there's there's a lot of love and craft in, in, in that movie. So, you know, it's not going to be my first pick for the evening, but, you know, I think it's a movie that can always use a little more love. All right, here's another one. Yeah. Um, my Science Project, have you heard of that? Yes, yes. Uh, that was uh, the, the summer of... Uh, the summer of 85, where there were three sci-fi comedies in the marketplace at the same time. Because you had uh, John Hughes's Weird Science, you had uh, Martha Coolidge's Real Genius, and uh, this was uh, from uh, Disney's Touchstone division, My Science Project, and this was the one that really got left behind. And But it's... it's it's got Dennis Hopper. You know, yeah, that's why I was like, Dennis Hopper. And uh, it's it's long been hard to see in any kind of proper version. I think, like, there were previous releases. It was shot in scope, and, you know, in the DVD era, they did, you know, master it, but I don't think it had ever been presented in original stereo. I, you know, Kino's finally going the distance of, you know, putting lossless. in the stereo tracks. Yeah, lossless 2.0 and, stereo. And yeah. creating some extras for it. I got to interrupt yeah, you. So Rebecca, yeah. you need to use... We got Rebecca Reinhardt here. You need to use Mark's Knuckles. They are in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They're famous. Look at those things. Famous Knuckles. Somehow work that into a... We can figure that you out. You can punch me. You can break that. my jaw. We can do it when I break my jaw. Yeah. You can actually break my jaw. Yeah, I let people hit me. I don't hit ladies. People torture me. <laughs> He's a good We got Mark on. He's He uh, helps out with the new, well, he writes for the new Beverly. He was on Beat the Geeks, reigning champion. Oh. I just like saying well, that. Well, there's no reigning champion. <laughs> I the whole idea is like that it's that. a panel of people that you have to try and out. He's the reigning champion. He's just being bashful. This is my movie. Hmm? We talked about the Embalmers, the uh, the old seventies movie Embalmers. Well, well, it, I I screwed up. It's just the Embalmer. It, That's right. Yeah. It's actually a sixties era movie, but it got a big reissue in the seventies from Ted V. Michaels. But it's not the same at all. The same. No. There's no nudity. Uh, very little cussing and not much gore. It's psychological. Yeah. Well, I'm like, I've got, got. But I do die in the back bed and get suffocated and get beaten by Andy and Justin. Yeah. Well, all right, we got to hook you guys up with a mic, so. Mark, why not? That's a condenser mic, so why don't you come over here? Okay. Because this is a directional mic. And so, if I have two people on that mic, it's going to sound better. All right. But we'll have them come on the show. They're, so, Rebecca is sort of a... Uh, she's sort of the queen of horror in the indie circuit. Uh, in Indianapolis. Okay. So, she's in a ton of stuff. She's in a she's in a Tim Ritter movie. Uh, she's... Uh, which one? Corn Sharks. Okay. Oh, the new one. And then uh, she's... She's in a bunch of... Well, she, we'll let her go over that because I'm not even sure exactly what she's in. It seems like she's working on a movie every week. I'll give her that disc thing, too. Yeah, we'll give her the disc thing. We'll, uh, we got to find another chair. So let me do that real quick. All right, flip side. We're going to take a break. And when we get back, we'll, we'll try to have Rebecca on. And we're also going to have Brandon introduce Indie Sensation. So we will be right back.
Colosseum, where reputations are made or destroyed. When battle begins, one question remains. Do you have what it takes to beat the geeks? Today, you will see a geek become more powerful than you. Behold, Comedy Central's newest game show, Beat the Geeks, where host Jakey Van Stratton pits mortal contestants against godlike geeks. Beat the Geeks, weeknights at 7.30, only on Comedy Central. Fear the geeks. Are you not entertained? Cruelty knows no bounds, when evil knows no limits, revenge strikes with its most frightening power. They called her one eye, then ran for their lives. We're talking about Mark's hair. Why don't we talk about the embalmers? Uh, first, we got something for you, Curtis. Yeah, so... It's nothing oh, yep. too wild, but... Look, eventually I'll have the whole damn set. Hey, you could have given this to me before I went out to my car. Here, keep it here and I'll get it in. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So the set I bought, you probably saw it had two disc twos. It was on eBay. Oh. you, Charlie? What? I've never seen this side. What, the oh sound What side's side? that? I'm so freaking in charge. Charles in charge. You've never seen Charles in oh, charge, I huh? I saw the footage where you're, it's, it, Sam's just, we're all in the living room. Get and that I, mic, like, in between you guys, I guess. I can't and, uh, hear. Uh, you told Andy. Yeah. So yeah. Die very well. Yeah, we watched that yesterday. Yeah, see my poll, and yeah, yeah it was great. Oddly enough, I have All right. Hey, look, it's great. What mic is, do a sound check now. Check, check. Hey, come on over. Might have to. Yeah. We'll do this first, and then we'll grab Bob, wherever Bob went. Bob, Bob. Yeah, so, all right. We have Rebecca Reinhardt, Diane, with Fraker? Yes. Fraker. I didn't. Charlie I wasn't 100% sure, actually, now I think about it. So, anyway. They're directing a new movie called Embalmers, and what's that about? What's well, that like? we actually directed the movie, so we are done filming. We're in the editing process right now, and uh, we had a wonderful sound guy for this film. Oh, really? Uh, yes. Who's that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, somebody whose elbow I've already had to cut out of a lot of stuff, but it's okay. Good old Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll no, the get Embalmers. as close as I can to the. No, you know you are awesome, and I don't know how you do it. By the way, I have it. I have a whole new respect for you. But no, the Embalmers is about a trio of siblings who have some powers, uh, undisclosed powers, to be able to judge dead people, figure out what uh, they did in their lives, and um, and actually like seal their fate and seal their soul into their corpse. And uh, they start noticing they get a lot more customers, and they have to figure out what's going on, what's messing with the juju of their town. Yeah, and uh, as far as cast, we've got Rob Mello and Andy Noir. Well, Andrea Collins. Andrea Collins, yeah. yeah. And Alice Winkler. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I fell in love with Andrea Collins. Yes. I'll admit that. And that her voice. accent. She has. Oh, she already my. has a Tennessee <laughs> accent, but she like. Her, she cranked it like to a 10 for this. You were so jealous of me when she was climbing up me and pulling my hair and stuff. Yeah. yeah. He, he was so enamored by Andy and everything that she said, especially when she would say, Oh, my. Yeah. Or, She's been sending me audio clips, so. <laughs> or that uppity hollet. Yeah, I just keep that on repeat and just. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do oh, Alexa because Alexa would come on. Yeah. Just Alexa and Alexa would come on. <laughs> so yeah, we had a good time. Um, we filmed for six days in Bloomington, Indiana. We still have a little bit to do, but for the most part, I've just been uh, in editing hell and trying to put some stuff together. And we've got some pretty cool stuff, so I'm about halfway done there. And and you can still uh, support. Yes, as you well. can. Our Indiegogo is still open in demand for another couple months. It is igg.me/at/slash. Yeah, or just look for us. On Indiegogo. Yeah, and you'll want the Blu-ray. I just do just that scene I saw with the uh, sex scene. Oh yeah, you'll there is it. there is an, a, there is a yeah there is like we a racy scene. <laughs> yeah, we we watched that. So it's yeah, so basically a very racy, but with a twist, weird sex scene between myself and Rob Mello. And yes, we watched that with his wife yesterday. <laughs> you could almost say it's like a really classy <laughs> necrophilia type of thing. Going yeah, on. yeah. Yeah, I think so. So Rob did help us write it as well. And at one point, at one point, he and I had kind of a we wanted to do sort of an incest thing where he was where Sai is obsessed with Lottie, who's they're not blood siblings, but they're siblings. And like Diane vetoed, and so we came back and we were like, well, can we do necrophilia? She's like, sure. We're like, yay! We were good. We were good with it. I think it works out. Yeah, I think it's good. I think that's good. I think that's a good decision. That fortifies their brother, you know, the sibling relationship. It works out. Yeah, the way their chemistry is. If you introduce sex with it, it doesn't. They're not siblings anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're just ro- romantically involved, and they happen to be siblings. Yes. And so then you don't have that good character interaction and building. And, and we also have the whole aspect that Psy can't interact with humans, like real humans. Like he can interact with his sisters who are like, you know, magical and obviously his siblings. He can interact with dead people, but he can't interact with like Joe Schmo at Walmart. So, you know, it kind of yeah. kept that nice boundary that at least he had a few people in the movie that he could talk to. He does have reasons. And Charlie knows, Charlie knows that because Charlie got to experience it himself. Yeah, that was terrifying. We we buried Charlie. So, what else are you working on? Because I saw the trailer for Corn Sharks. Okay, so (laughs) Sharks of the Corn uh, is something I did with Tim Ritter. Um, Like, 14-year-old me is, like, super excited that I get to, like, work with, like, Tim Ritter, Donald Farmer, all these guys. But... um, you know Ron Bonk from SRS Entertainment. He uh, commissioned. Oh, I've been messaging him back and forth forever about this freaking Blu-ray. Oh yeah. He sent me a Blu-ray and the disc isn't in there. Oh, oops, <laughs> wrong. Now who's in control? Yeah, it wasn't his fault though. So, so and he's he's been really good at fixing it. So he's so a great guy. Ron uh, told Tim he's he you know said I'll give you you know I'll give you some money if you make me a shark movie. And Tim's like, a shark movie? That's not really, like, up my alley or whatever. He's like, whatever you want, shark movie. 
And I was going down to Kentucky to work on another movie with him, the one, the Jess Franco uh, homage movie. And he's like, okay, I got to get you in Corn Sharks, and, uh, which was the working title. Um, and so we, I, we did the cold open where it's basically like a, an homage to the Jaws skinny dipping scene, but I am stripping through a cornfield. Um, yes. and uh, People in Indiana do that. Yes. And they don't usually have to thwart sharks, but I did. Well, I didn't do a very good job, as you can see. So basically, we shot the cold open slash teaser stuff with me. So I can say I was in sharks. Yeah, the trailer was great. You got to check it out if you haven't. And then also, um, looking around, I don't see him, but we are working on a movie called Holy Shit Man. Charlie has been working on it with us. Uh, Bob East is here, who is the director. Black, uh, who is Holy Shit Man, and that is he's from right Pit Fire Films. Holy shit, he's right there. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Holy shit, man. And it is about the devil's plumber. It is, uh, it is yes, a goofy premise, but it is also, um, we try to add in as much blood as we can to counteract all the poop. And from what I gathered, there's some sort of lesbian romance, too. Yes, actually, my character, Lane, well, she, like, she sleeps with, like, everybody in town, but... Yes, I have two romantic interests. So I've got Paisley Blackburn, who is my actual, like, crush. But then I also am being seduced by Julianne Prescott, who plays a very special character that I can't tell you about. Oh, my. Every, everybody wants some of this action, some of this lane action. There he is. What? You're in it? I didn't know you were in it. What, what did you do in it, yeah, can't give away too much on. on oh, okay. Yeah, we don't want to give too much yeah. away. But yeah, those are the two main things that uh, I have been doing. I'm leaving Monday for Virginia to do Backwoods Bubba. So we. Um, and that we one's kind of. Is that your first day of production for that, or? Yes. Because you so, guys have been talking about so that for a he long has time. he has done a couple other little things for it, but this is like we're going for like a full week. Um, I co-wrote it with Brad Thomason, and we, we got fully funded from Indiegogo. We've got an awesome cast, a lot of familiar faces like Alice Winkler. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it seems like everybody's in that movie. Yes. Because so. even, uh, even um, oh, shoot, what's her name from Clownado? She's in it, too. Yeah, Dylan Von Harvey. Yeah. She's in it. Um, and we also have Heather Richardson, who is in our, who's in The Embalmers and has done some makeup for us and stuff. She is in that movie. Um, Julianne Prescott, who's like, you She's know, awesome. I don't think we have any like boob rubbing seams in this one. We usually, no matter what we do together, we usually end up like shirts off and boobs rubbing together. And this one, I don't think we do, sadly. But uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I, I think uh, Julia's the biggest uh, Return of the Living Dead 3 fan. Okay. Well, I don't know. Andy. Uh, no, she's the biggest fan of. Julie from Return of the Living Dead. Right, yeah. All, and so was Andy. Well, and then all night, so they were watching, They were we were watching Return of the Living Dead 3. I went to bed in the bedroom, like right off of the family room, and I just kept hearing Julie go, oh yeah, man, I'd fuck her. Well, no, oh, Andy. I'd fuck her boyfriend. Yeah, I'd fuck her Andy didn't want to fuck her. Andy, or no. I'd fuck the both of them. Yeah. <laughs> Andy was all over. Julie, Julie wanted to be her, mm-hmm. and then Andy wanted to fuck her. And you can see that in Julie, yeah. like it was it was a character that she idolized when she was very young. Yeah. Um, so that character, and she also said like Shirley Manson from Garbage, you know. So you can see that a lot of that in Julie. But yeah, Andy, Andy was just all over <laughs> everybody in that movie. <laughs> and also we have a special guest with us tonight. 
Oh no. Yes. So Debbie is a doll from our childhood that was recently, um, she was recently brought from the grave, from the cellar after 20 years. And she was in the embalmers. And um, we are going to develop a drinking game around how many times you see Debbie. Yeah. It's pretty creepy. It made, it made Johnny cry. Oh my God. Day after he's drinking, I go home and she has a fake eyelash on here and is doing a salute. Yeah, it was like Somebody Char- made her. I think it was Andy. I think it was Char. I think it was Charlie Chaplin or something. Right? Yeah, no, I yeah. think no. It's uh, Ron Mail from Sparks. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's I, I think that's what they. Were All doing I know is that Diane grabbed her and she just took off with Debbie, and we were like, "What the hell? We can't have fun with Debbie." And then we made that short porno. Uh, uh, was yeah, I don't know. I should talk about that one. Uh, She's touching a pole. Oh, yes, me. yes. That'll be in the special features. So the special features should be pretty damn awesome. So go get the freaking Blu-ray. Yeah, We've get got the sign Blu-ray. posters. Holy get cow. everybody sign them. And they're awesome posters with artwork from Mark Schoenbach. Um, yeah. I feel like I talk about this all the time, so I, I don't even know what to say anymore. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. we're going to be filming a short here if we can get everybody wrangled together for um, I'm doing a short for Brad Twig. So you got to get Mark's knuckles in it. Mark's knuckles. Mark, if you want your knuckles to be in this short. My Persian hands. housewife hands. I was going to say, are they, like, are, are they like sag hands? Like, do I have to like file any extra paperwork? Nah. Your hands? Okay. release or anything? Yeah, or give you an I, alias. I, I, well, I have literally scab hands. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So we'll be doing that tonight, hopefully, and uh, have some fun with that. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, well, whenever you're ready to do that, let me know. Oh, and so, okay, so uh, we got the Decrepit Crypto Nightmares, which we talked about on the show before. Uh, I convinced uh, Rebecca to buy it. Charlie found me a bargain. Yeah, and Curtis got the biggest bargain. We'll go over that in a second. Um, no, you got the biggest bargain of all with your basement set. But yeah, I got basement for fourteen ninety nine. It's incredible. So, remember? Um, oh well, shit! This doesn't have it. Damn it! Well, okay. So you're still missing Nightmare Asylum. Yes. Yes. What's good on that disc? Do you know, Charlie? Uh, nothing. Nothing. Nothing good. Okay. It's okay. And that's that's actually what you told me. Nightmare Asylum was the only thing worth. Anything uh, high High Desert seems kind of interesting. Yeah, that's I'll that's. Watch them all. This was a fifty movie pack, but it was all shot on video. Yeah. And, and or like and are like you know early digital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, basically he found it for me for thirty five bucks. It was missing disc one and two, and then they have just bequeathed me the uh, disc two. So now you yeah, just need disc one. I think that uh, that set came out in like two thousand six, didn't it? Yeah, it's been out of print for a while. Well, how how much did you? So Curtis just Curtis bought one the same day you bought one. How much did you pay? Like twenty. Oh, so Charlie <laughs> so didn't find me the best. Thing. I didn't. Curtis found. But I had the bid on mine though. So yeah, I, I figured you Charlie wanted to buy now. He has the best thing because he does have the Camp Motion. Um, oh yes. Basement pack with the price tag on it for fifteen dollars, fourteen ninety nine. Some idiot working at what half price books or something. It was a disc replay. Had wow. no freaking clue what they had. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I, I think I plunked down a good sixty five on that. 
And it was every it was worth every penny if you can find that. It's out of print now. That, that other set that I want from Camp Motion Pictures is that video violence redux deluxe. I never did get one yeah. of those. I bet those are really hard to find. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of those are very limited and once you yeah. Once you don't get them, you don't get them. It was I've, kind of weird with the basement because it includes a VHS tape. Yeah. And I brought I bought mine at Fry's Electronics, so technically Fry's was selling a VHS tape. There you go. <laughs> so uh, 20, if I may take a, ma- a minor sidebar, uh, one of the things I've been doing while I've been in my childhood home in Cincinnati is going through all this stuff that I saved because I was a bit of a pack rat, and I found all of these old uh, video magazines from like. 85, 86, and I, ha- and I found and scanned some original camp video uh, full-page oh, ads yeah. for nice. uh, video violence and uh, gourmet zombie, zombie chef from hell. Oh, and yeah. Awesome. And where are awesome. these? Where can we find them? Uh, or is it just ha- for your own? I have knowledge? yet to post them online, but I have, I have them in reserve waiting for the right opportunity. Mm-hmm. Pretty awesome. So if you were to do a... Four movie night of shot on video. What's your four go-to shot on video? How many movies? Like, what are we talking? Okay, four. So, Video Violence 1 and 2. But actually, what's weird is, I love Video Violence 1, but Video Violence 2 is, like, what I usually cite as one of my favorite movies. Just because I watched it a lot when I was a kid, and I there was something about it. Like, I watched it probably ten times before I ever saw the first one. Uh you know, there's a, you know, I, I don't want to be like so stereotypical, but you know, obviously redneck zombies. I mean, come on, you can't get much better than that. Um, uh, Witchiver Massacre. Witchiver Massacre is one of my favorites, even though it's it's definitely not a gory one. Um, oh wait, I'm wearing a shirt for Cannibal Campout. I guess I would have to say that one. I'm I'm naming more than four or five, but. So uh, we came this. It it didn't happen, so I'm going to go ahead and mention it. Uh, we came this close to getting an interview with the little kid in Woodchipper Massacre. Aw, like I the still, boy? I still message him regularly. Uh, but he, he did like Apex Legends. and Yeah, yeah. he's like he a did like game WWE designer now. Yeah, yeah like I was going to say, he, um, so yeah, John McBride got hit, both of them, the little girl and the little the little kid. He saw a, uh, a stage performance of, like, HMS Pinafore or something, like a community theater, and they were both in it, and he really liked it. And so he kind of wrote a lot of the movie around them. I was curious what happened to the to the girl. I guess maybe she's, like, a teacher now. I could only find one picture that looked like her. Yeah. I mean, and I there's know. so many people. Like, I know that a lot of people like to say in that case, like, and then she was never heard from again. But it's like, even to realize, a lot of these people who were in these movies, they never had intentions of being actors. Yeah. Or they just got pulled in by, like, hey... You want to here? Come here. You know, you want to be in this movie or whatever, and they're like, "Okay, fine." So it's like, you know, yeah. they don't have an IMDb. And nobody apparently, knows. John McBride's MIA. Nobody knows where the hell he's at. No, I, I, I don't know where he is, but I do know that Mark Polonia and uh, Tony Masiello—they know where he is. I mean, he isn't doing movies, but I, I, tr- I, I messaged, had a huge crush. I on messaged John one of the Polonia. I messaged the one Polonia oh, guy who's still alive. John, John is the one that died. And he's but Mark uh, is still alive. Yeah, Mark he said he didn't know where John McBride was. He said, "Oh, I haven't heard heard from him in a long time. Last I heard, he was just traveling a lot." Yeah, I'm like, then, he's not like falling off the face of the earth, right? Yeah. There's, yeah, it's not like he's, yeah. Okay, and then other exciting movie news. I know you will know what I'm talking about. So this morning I woke up, looked at my Facebook, and I had a friend request from Neil Breen. Hmm. 
No? Stone That's Fist? You don't huge. Know? I was like, what the hell? And we only have like 30 mutuals, and most of them are like film festival people and stuff. And I was like, <gasps> and I'm like, I look at it, and I'm like, it's really Neil Breen. It's not like some fan thing. I was like, I think my life has new meaning now. Uh, he I've, is here, dot, 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 now. Now, yes. <laughs> I've heard <laughs> of him from uh, Red Letter Media. They've done like some. He, he was, you know what? You got to give this guy credit, though. He is a... He is a notoriously horrible filmmaker, but he's a guy that's got money, he's got ideas, and he, he makes his movies. And, I mean, he does a lot more than most of us say, you know, most of us can say that we can. Yeah. I mean, because he makes his freaking movies. He, that he, that unlike a lot of other people who are just trying to be derivative and do the same stuff oh, that everyone right. else is doing, he is, he has his own idea. It's a... Batshit crazy idea, but damn it, he, he followed no it to the bitter anyone end. Anyone else at all whatsoever? But yeah, it's admirable. So anyway, yeah, I'm just pretty excited about well, that. Yeah, it's well, almost awesome. as good as when Debbie from Manos, the Hands of Fate, friend requested me. Yeah, you told me about that. Good. Or Derek Savage, the cool cat guy. <laughs> I don't know if you know and, that one. And um, while I, while I was working on Embalmers, I s- sat in the RV by myself and watched Black Devil Doll from Hell. Oh, uh, yeah. And that's a good one. Yeah, and that might uh, actually, that would probably go. Like, I I have an autographed uh, copy from uh, Chester Nathan Turner. Oh, dang. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. boy. Wow. And that would probably go on my uh, my marathon thing that I never really, like, formulated because I just kept branding. Because if you showed that, you have to show uh, tra- Tales from the... Quad dead zones. You'd have to show that. Yeah. You have to do a double feature. Man, it's just it's a big rabbit hole, right? I mean, you show one. One of my favorites is the Burning Moon. I like the Burning Moon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. German gore. Yeah. So we're showing. Actually, if anybody wants to come to this, we're showing uh, video violence, Burning Moon, Redneck Zombies, and Gore Horror. And I will be in Virginia filming Bubba, and I'm so upset. I was going to go to... We'll set, I, we'll set up like a Zoom maybe or something. I was going to go to the Ars Family uh, drive-in next weekend, and then I found out I can't. And Glenn's, Glenn's given up, uh, what is it? What was that event you are supposed to go to? Cruising. Creepy cruising to come, so that's pretty big. Wow. But, um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. So if we would have done the movie marathon like in the summer, we'd have more time to show more movies probably because we did that one in the summer, and we had like six movies, right? Five or six. We should have more time to do it now. Because there's, there's, there's more, more nighttime. There's more nighttime yeah. yeah. So I was thinking about that could, backwards. You could squeeze five. Yeah. You maybe even Plus squeeze I think six. It's still, this might be the and last we'll have really some nice extras. weekend. Or next weekend might be the last really nice weekend of weather. We'll have some extras then. Line. We'll, we'll have some ready just in case. Because, I mean, it gets time. dark out. Oh, yeah. Like, you got to have some lined up, man. They'll probably start the movies tonight a little after eight. Right? You yeah. Think? Which means I need to get on this short that I'm supposed to be doing <laughs> Yeah, all right. Well, we'll let you go. Thanks for coming on. And all right. We'll, I'll see you later, and we'll work on the movie. Yeah. And, and I uh, got all the film stuff. And, here, and so. by the way, Charlie, Charlie Ours, he is available for rent. He is the best sound guy ever. In fact, uh, my DP hired him to do the sound for his upcoming is movie. Is he so. only available to rent? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the hour. So. Yes, it, or, or by the day. He's really <laughs> cheap, too, people. Oh, you rent boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty cheap. You are cheap. For the gear I have, too. And, dude, Sam, I guess on Violet, I know he probably told you this, but the guy he hired for Violet, he was paying him, like, $500 a day. I'm like... What? Sam? I'm like, dude, like... Well, he, we haven't discussed pricing yet, him and me. You're like, but, okay, then no, that he paid the other guy $500, <laughs> but he does know what I paid you, so... Okay. 
twenty dollars a twenty dollars a week. But he doesn't have Andy <laughs> on set, you know, to keep you company. Yeah, right. if Andy's not on set, if Andy's on set, I'll do it for a hundred a day. Mm-hmm. But if Andy's not on set, it's yeah five hundred. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna wrangle. Um, so okay, so this okay. So I don't know how many of you I can wrangle to do this, but this thing I'm doing—it's a found footage thing. And basically, Brad Twig, I don't know if you know him, like uh, Killer Camp Out, uh, Milfs versus Zombies, Shriek Show. Oh yeah. He he oh, well, got the new Shriek Show. Huh? The new Shriek Show. Yes. Not the full new Shriek Show. Right. Not the DVD label Shriek Show either. No. Yeah. Oh god, I missed that label. Yeah. But he got he well, got back, commissioned. He got commissioned by Ron Bonk to do a found footage anthology, and he hates found footage. And so I that's what so that's what I have to do is found footage, and it has to be not non comedic. Like it can have some comedy elements, but it has to be more or less like. Well, you'll get to use Harrison from Teddy Bear Master. And I didn't get to see that because I I'm sorry I was oh, in, I was in the garage with like the script literally like laid out and like. Sam and Rob found me, and I'm just sitting on the. I was sitting on the floor in the garage. People had a blast. Yeah, I know. You're gonna have to give that to me. But um, but yeah, I think Bob's gonna film for me. But I, I just need. Okay, so the idea is that I'm gonna use those pretty hard. drunk at the bar is getting noisy and mean, and some guy on the phone. Says I'll be home soon, dear. Rednecks, white socks, and blue ribbon beer. Just do anything? No, sorry, cut. Yeah, really. One oh two, take two. Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. There is a California champagne by Paul Masson. Inspired by that same French excellence. It's fermented in the bottle, and like the best French champagne, it's vintage dated. So, Paul Masson. All right, Flipside, we're back. And we got Brandon Yates on the show. Hey. And Indie Sensations is back. Indie Sin Sensations. We put the uh, the sin in Sation. Uh, 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 uh. Really uh-huh. not good at slogans and catchphrases, but I know whenever <laughs> I was trying to come up with the name for Indie Sensations, something pointed me to that, and I told Joey, and Joey goes, and this is how I knew it was a good name, Joey goes, ooh, it's got sin in it. So I was like, all right, it's going to be Indie Sensations. Well, it has die in it, too. Oh, shit, it does. <laughs> oh, hey. Well, sometimes you die in Indie Sensations. The last one we had, I died, but now I'm back from the grave. Showing you all new indie horror movies. And maybe not so new, because there's always that guy that reminds you that this de- debuted at some festival this many years ago. Yeah. And well, like, yeah. okay, well, I'm sorry. Either that or he spent, you know, it's been in editing for 10 years. and Yeah. And then, he, and then you know, he fudges the date to try to make you think it's a new film. And they're mostly new. Hopefully people just haven't seen them. The like good that. news is a lot of the stuff that's going to be in the next 
at few in, indie sensations in October are stuff people haven't seen. There are a couple things that maybe you've seen. I don't know how, but maybe. I think I've seen one I of them. I tried to pick some new stuff. I've oh, seen Chicago one. Rot. Oh. I have not seen Chicago Rot, but that that's good? the only one I've seen. It's really good. It's oh, awesome. Really awesome. Yeah. Um, the feedback seems to be glowingly great for it, though. The trailer's awesome, and that's something in the indie in, in the indie movie realm in general. A lot of people can't cut trailers to save their lives. And if they do cut a trailer, they show you everything that's good, and they don't really tell you an, a tangible story that's about to happen. So yeah. Chicago Rot kind of tells you a story, gives you an idea about the movie, and it looks freaking awesome. And I, so far out of all the announcements, that one has garnered, garnered, excuse me, garnered the most support from people that have seen it and starred in it. It seems like they're super excited it's going to be playing at a drive-in. And that's cool. definitely part of Indie Sensations is trying to get stuff that's going to be fun to see at the drive-in. Mm-hmm. So so what, what's the lineup? Let's so, run through it. Indie Sensations normally was the last Wednesday uh, of every month, and now that is the monthly Pandemonium Picture Show that was used to replace the event. Um, but now that it's coming back, we're going to do it, and this is just an October thing. I don't know about the uh, foreseeable future, but we're doing it every Wednesday in October except the last Wednesday, so October 7th, 14th, and 21st. Uh, on October 7th, we're showing Ravage, which is a revenge thriller movie. It is uh, a great 77-minute-long indie feature debut by its director. And it's going to be paired with Plaguers, which out of all the indie sensations movies, Plaguers is the oldest. It actually came out in 2008. Um, And maybe Plaguers is the one movie that people have seen or could easily get access to seeing um, because Wild Eye Distribution put it out. Um, but that's the first first double feature is Ravage and Plaguers. And then October 14th, uh, we have Possessor Uncut and Chicago Rot. And then October 21st, we have Sin Chronic and 10 Minutes to Midnight. And the good thing about all three of these double features are there are no two movies alike each night. If you come out to them, you're not going to get to see back-to-back zombies or the same stuff. I made sure to do some different pairings. And I also tried to pair maybe the more funner late night one second too. And a couple of these movies, uh, Possessor Uncut and Synchronic, those literally are going to be ripe for the picking uh, and to be seen. They are literally just coming out for the public. Um, Ravage is on VOD right now, so if you're really curious, you can watch it and then come see it on the big screen. Uh, But if I had my pick, I would come see it on the big screen first. It's a cool movie. It's got Bruce Dern in it, Mm. who we all know and love from numerous films. The Burbs comes to mind since we watched that out here this year. Oh, yeah. But uh, Bruce Dern is just a co-star in it. It's led by a young Annabelle Dexter Jones, who is a fantastic female lead in it it's director Teddy Grinnan this is his debut feature film Um, super excellent pacing very well acted great cinematography it's a very good looking indie feature debut I really don't know how 
sometimes these first-time directors just knock it out of the park on so many different technical aspects, but this is one of them, that it's just a really good movie. It makes sense to me why Bruce Dern appears in it. Um, and then Plagers is by Brad Sykes, who is no stranger to indie sensations. We showed a movie uh, a while back called High Death, an anthology feature that he was a part of. He had one segment in it. But Brad is uh, definitely carries the indie sensation spirit quite a bit. Um, he wrote a book entirely on desert films. He's from Los Angeles. Uh, he actually produced a, the short film Bearing the X that later became a feature that Joe Dante made. He's kind of a shot on video wizard. A lot of his earlier st- movies are shot on video, but Plagers is kind of his here's a little bit of a budget, now you can make a bigger movie type deal. And it stars uh, Steve Railsback, who oh, boy. is in quite a bit of stuff. I think anytime I hear his name, people always bring up that he played Charles Manson in the Helter Skelter TV series. Um, but he's also in Turkey Shoot, Barbed Wire, Life Force, Trick or Treats, some cool... And the Stuntman. And the Stuntman, And he's yes. in uh, Long Weekend as well. See? All kinds of stuff. But Steve Railsback's in it. He's uh, the lead of the movie. And it is a fun sci-fi horror movie. All practical effects, so it's it's definitely super fun to watch. It'll be cool to see out here. And the week after is definitely something I'm super stoked for. Possessor Uncut, which by the way, recently just got... <laughs> the word uncut got added to the title. Um, and it's funny because the theatrical poster, literally there just must have been just enough blank space to put in the words uncut on the posters because I noticed (laughs) that had changed whenever we were first going after the movie. We were going after Possessor, and I had artwork on my phone, and then whenever we confirmed the screening and and it was Possessor uncut, then I look at the artwork again, and it has the words uncut underneath it. So, um, So for anyone wondering, we are watching the uncut Possessor uncut, in case you were wondering. That's good. It is Hmm. not rated, so... Um, kind of cool. So make but, sure that you're, if you're easily offended, you know. <laughs> and you know, it'll probably be, and you know, this is a, an assumption because I haven't seen it. It'll probably be uh, a lot smarter than you think it is. And I hate to just, the, God, this poor guy probably hates being named Brandon Cronenberg, but it's the son of David Cronenberg. Um, several years ago, quite a bit ago, actually, he made a movie called Antiviral. And uh, I don't think he was trying to make a movie like his dad did. But by God, when you watch it, there are definitely some things about it that feel like the same brain is involved. Um, But it was a really cool movie that basically what the whole premise of the movie was, people were so uh, obsessed with celebrities, they were actually buying their sicknesses and injecting them inside of themselves so they could feel closer to that celebrity. Like when they get a cold or if the celebrity in the movie, a celebrity gets uh, herpes. So there's actually a dude crazy enough to want to cope with the same pain as his favorite celebrity in it. Well, isn't it? I remember there was a story that circulated amongst uh, the Star Trek fandom where uh, uh, Roger Delancey was at a convention and he had a cold and he had like he had a glass of water at his stand and like some uber fan bought the glass of water from him and drank it oh and then gosh. said uh, i've got the q virus sounds like star oh. trek fan to me 
I wouldn't doubt that. No. Yeah, um, Possessor is definitely looks a lot different. Kind of the cool thing uh, that I learned about Brandon Cronenberg too is uh, he actually started off wanting to be involved in uh, the fashion industry. He loved the artistic design of creating clothing and things like that. And at some point, uh, I guess after enough people probably patted him on the back and said, are you going to be a filmmaker like your father? Eventually he realized that some of his artistic ideas aren't mutually exclusive to using in the film world, so he decided to go after it. And He's only got one feature before uh, Possessor Uncut, so this is his second feature. But it has quite an interesting lineup of people that if you go back to some of their roles, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee is in it. And, of course, she worked with David Cronenberg in existence. So mm-hmm. there's and some, quite a bit of people that have worked on Cronenberg films in the movie. Nothing major to hype and, you up about. And but. what you brought up, you know, that he has what to some would be this incompatible uh, interest in fashion before he went into making horror, people should also remember that you know, Cronenberg is also really into car culture yeah <laughs> uh, that he you know he did one flat out car movie yeah. that seems at on the surface at odds with the rest of his filmography but when you look at how it unfolds you can see how it's still exploring themes that are common to his work so oh, for sure so eclectic tastes run in the cronenberg family yeah yeah uh, i don't know that a lot of people know but uh david cronenberg's wife uh, did a lot of the wardrobe on his movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, I always yeah, thought that I didn't was know really that. Cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's cool. You know, he's getting, and that's something that I've always heard common. Uh, I actually met Michael Ironsides at Horror Hound back in the day, and uh, of course, I was that geeky guy. It's like, what was it like to work with David Cronenberg? And every actor, though, in my entire life that I've asked that question, always answers it the exact same: that he's the one of the best people to work with. And he uses the same crew for, like, almost all of his movies. So everyone's a familiar. And there's a very family-like bond to it. So a lot of the actors that I've met that have worked in some of his movies, they always say, I would love to be in another Cronenberg movie, like, immediately. And Mm -hmm. I always thought that was really cool. Well, yeah. I was... Years ago, when I lived in Columbus, Ohio, there was a a signing at an adult bookstore with Marilyn Chambers. Oh, and wow. I got in line early, and you, know, it, it got pretty busy, so I knew I wasn't going to have a whole lot of time. So when I got to her, I just said, you know, I'm not going to hold you up too much, but just tell me, what was David Cronenberg like? <laughs> what was Chuck Vincent like? <laughs> and, and I think she kind of perked up at both of those choices because, like, they were the two of the directors that really took her seriously yeah. and you know, made her stretch. Sorry, I was like gone. I was wanting Tony to take a picture of this. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, this is like the biggest group we've had for the podcast. Nice. So I like, I was like stepped out for a minute. What? We're on the subject of Cronenberg. Yeah, the whole family. Yeah, the, the whole, whole family, family since Possessor Uncut is from Brandon Cronenberg. Yeah. Yeah. After that, too, we're showing Chicago Rot, and if you're listening, watch. The trailer for Chicago Rod. It looks like a fantastic movie. The fun thing about these three indie sensations, too, are I haven't seen all these movies. I've only seen two out of the six. So nice. I'm going into it 
That's fun. Yeah. Pretty vulnerable yeah. myself. Um, how'd you find? How'd you find the movies then? Just so Plagers, new stuff that's out. I've or? known Brad Sykes since I did uh, screenings at the Strand, and Brad's just always been a really forthcoming filmmaker that wanted to get involved in that event, and he actually maybe is the first really big, and I mean big, however you want to determine it, but he had connections with uh, Wild Eye, and. He's Wild Eye were so forthcoming with whenever I was at the Strand, they legit sent me a list of downloadable content that I could just watch any movie that they had and actually see, hey, maybe I should show this at Friday Night Frights then. But uh, Brad's been somebody that's like always been involved, so I've once I learned him, I started kind of asking him about some of his movies, and eventually Plagueers came up, and he was very proud of Plagueers, and it just seemed like the type of movie that I'd want to watch. I love sci-fi horror movies. Um, and Wild Eye had all the Todd Sheets movies, too, like theatrical. Yeah, Wild Eye has tons of stuff. And they were actually... The, I can't remember all the different things that I showed in at the Strand whenever I was doing screenings there that were Wild Eye. But Well, Wild Eye, that's Keith Crocker's company, right? Oh, I have no... Yeah, okay, yeah, Keith. I'm trying to remember because I haven't emailed those people in so long, but uh, I, I believe Keith is... I, I can't think of the last name, but I believe Keith is one of the people that run Wild Eye. But they show, they had a movie called Memory, Memory Lane back in the day that I showed at uh, Friday Night Frights that I really enjoyed. It was very different. It was like one of those lo-fi sci-fi movies where a couple filmmakers just had a creative idea and made a low-budget movie out of it. And, but the uh, the rest of the movie, so, I mean, I've heard about, like, when the Red Band trailer for Possessor came out, I was super geeked. So the moment whenever I found out we were going to redo these Friday Night Frights, I mean, the big picks involved were, I mean, the number one was Synchronic, uh, and I'll explain that in a second, and then number two was Possessor, and number three was Ravage. And I had just watched uh, Ravage on VOD, and it was definitely one of those movies, and it's like, people aren't going to watch this you know unless you tell them to it's just going to fly under people's radar but the other two i mean possessor uncut obviously i really liked antiviral and i knew that was getting ready to launch as a new movie so i wanted to try to get involved with that but a uh, synchronic i've been hype about for, for at least a year and that's probably about as long as i've known about it but uh synchronic comes from uh, aaron moorhead and justin benson that made uh, way back in the day, they made a lo-fi movie called Resolution that I loved, and then I found out they were making their second feature called Spring, and that wounding up was my favorite movie of the year when I saw it. After Spring, they made this movie called The Endless, and that wound up being one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, so Synchronic is their new movie, and I don't know. I I don't know how to compare the the mind process of having two directors, like what that really does to a movie, but... Uh, they're definitely a good duo you know they're two people that understand each other and they tend to make their movies really well and they still carry the indie spirit even if like on the endless they had a million dollar budget which is definitely not low budget Mm -hmm. or what some people would classify as an indie film but whenever you look through the credits you realize that a lot of the same people are doing all juggling all these jobs you realize that if another studio made the endless it would have probably been a $10 million movie. Right. So, you know, that's kind of what I most admire about their movies anyways is there's always 
this indie spirit carried into everything. And Synchronic appears to be the same way. Granted, I haven't seen it. Um, I'm super hyped for it. Uh, it has a really cool... The idea for the story is really interesting, and I can tie that into something a little personal, too, but the movie's about... The idea that they got for the movie came from synthetic drugs that get sold in head shops, and I work at a head shop, so I'm very closely tied to the subject in these things that come out and get sold that obviously haven't been tested on humans because they haven't existed very long, but they actually have made a horror story out of that, and that's a big part of my investment in wanting to see the movie. Well, that's a great premise. Aside from the fact that, I mean... So far, they've thrown three home runs with me. So I've liked all their movies, so I got a little bit of a personal bias. But uh, I think the idea of the movie sounds cool, and I love these. I love the new modern horror movies that try to take delve really deep into ideas like that. I think Synchronic will be a really cool movie. When we showed The Endless out here, a bunch of people showed up. That was the first time in my life, and probably the only time in my life, that I've ever been involved in screening a movie that had a 100% Rotten Tomato fresh rating. And I never realized Rotten Tomatoes... I mean, I would have garnered the idea that Rotten Tomatoes does matter to some people. There are some people, whenever they hear about a movie, they get on Rotten Tomatoes and they're like, oh man, 50%, no, I'm not watching that. And that always seems stupid to me. (laughs) Um, But that movie had a 100% and it was of the year it came out, it was... The, the first movie of the year granted we screened it in April so it was still a, a new year but when we screened it in April it had a 100% Rotten Tomato fresh rating and I got to see what that actually does to people and whenever uh, we got ready to open the gate there was like a line of 20 cars to get into Indie Sensations and that was like a holy shit kind of feeling like how does that ever happen Rotten Tomatoes guys like <laughs> And to get that score on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way, you, you have to look at the losers, the movies that don't get 100%. And they're always, for a movie like The Endless, that was an indie movie still at heart, it was crazy to me that all these other competitors for that spot hadn't gotten that yet. Because at that point in the year, and I can't think of them right now, at that point in the year, there were already some really damn good movies that had come out. So to think that to all these viewers and critics alike, that for whatever reason the endless is the one that was really swinging and hitting home runs with people so um, hopefully synchronic is the same way we won't know because it's only screened at uh, the sundance film festival i might hope i'm not messing that up i think it's screened at sundance uh, first and it won a ton of awards so it should be cool 10 minutes to midnight it's kind of like Chicago Rot in the way that they were titles that had been solicited to Joey. I mean, with all this stuff that's going on, obviously there's no new new movies showing at the drive-in. Not to so. be confused with uh, 10 to Midnight, the Charles Bronson movie. Right, yeah. Yeah, 10 minutes ten to Midnight. 10 minutes till Midnight. And I know at some point I'm going to screw it up and call it two minutes to midnight because I'm going to think of Iron Maiden. <laughs> yeah. Don't get yeah. confused well, with Iron Maiden. I was going to go to Motley Crue and 10 seconds to love. Oh, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but uh, Chicago Rotten 10 minutes to midnight were actually solicited to the skyline. And uh, hmm. they looked like cool movies. So, <laughs> And they're different. You know, I guess the general idea of, hey, you get to pick six movies to have in a month. You don't want to look like 
you're showing the same crap either. Right. So, so I think I well picked six of these different ones. I'll tell you the the last movie we booked was just the. Of course, it's always the hardest because you're like sacrificing ones that you know, like well, this one needs it, and I had to kind of go with my heart and. Brad Sykes, you know, really wanted Plagueers. He even sent me this cool shirt that I'm wearing, by the way. I was going to say, yeah, you were wearing a shirt. It's a cast and crew I think shirt. Awesome. I think it might glow in the dark. I'm it, not sure. It almost looks like Toxie a little bit. Yeah, that's what I thought, oh, yeah. too, whenever I saw it. But. I yeah, see a be- resemblance. They become like uh, like infected zombie-like creatures, alien creatures. So, But, hmm. yeah, the sixth film was Plagueers that I chose, and... I definitely went with my heart with it because, you know, in not doing indie sensations for a while, I've still had filmmakers. You know, I guess that's the heartwarming aspect of doing it. There's still filmmakers who hit me up and want to show stuff. Like, hey, are you still doing this? Or can you talk to somebody for me? And well, things a re- like a that. A reputation so. has a lot of value. And yeah. you've clearly established yourself as a curator that people want to be involved with. I hope so because definitely... Uh, there's been, you know, some screenings that I remember. It's like, I wish more people were here. And usually, you know, this is for all the people listening. Those are usually the nights that some of the best movies I've ever picked end up getting played. That, you know, one night out out the skyline, we had two. And maybe this was bad booking. I don't know. I still don't know what to blame. There was no Kid Rock concert in town to blame it on. <laughs> but uh, we had the movie... Actually, the first time we had the barn out here, we had the barn with a movie called Pigpen. Uh, that's a great flick. And but those nights, I, I mean, the, that night maybe had there was like twenty people here. There wasn't a lot of people here, and it was one of those nights that felt like a defeat because it's like these movies are so good, and only twenty people are here. But then there was another night, and this is the night that, and I think yeah, and Wild Eye Distribution have this movie, but uh, we. Uh, they have we showed Cat Sick Blues, this Australian flick, and then we showed uh, this movie Demon Hunter, which was from Ireland. And I don't know if it was bad booking, booking two overseas movies, but that you know, and I don't usually try to do a theme ever, but that just seemed like oh, let's pair these two overseas movies or whatever. And um, we had one, two, three, four people there that night, and Stephen, wherever. Uh, Stephen Kindle he's, right is. He's, he's one of them that was here that night. Well, Stephen's night. always there. And it was like me, my two roommates, by the way. So I don't even know if that counts, if I'm counting myself. But it was like me, my two roommates, their little dogs, and then Stephen Kindle, and then, like, Joey was out here. So, like, we all just chilled and watched the movie, the five of us or whatever, that were out here total. And Cat Sick Blues, by the way, like, you can buy that from Wild Eye Distribution. I think it's a part of their, like raw and extreme line. I forget what they call it, but I, you can buy Cat Sick Blues, and it's a weird movie. The dude that made it, uh, he was just making a movie, a horror movie, out of like the sentimental attachment we place on our pets, and in this case, a cat. But he made this like dark story about a loner in it who dresses up like a cat and basically becomes a slasher. Mm. And it had a very weird... Uh, approach to some i guess some really serious stuff with like mental health and things and the movie was super dark super macabre um i actually made an expensive phone call but whenever we had it at horror hound when i was helping with their film festival and we gave it the best special effects award 
and the filmmaker obviously is from Australia. He couldn't be there. So I got to like call him and I made the people in the room like woo and cheer. And uh, his movie hadn't screened yet though. Because sometimes when you book a film festival like that, you have to deal with the unfortunate aspect of who are you going to put at the end after things are kind of dying down. And that movie was like, it wasn't even at the very end. It was like 3 o'clock on a Sunday though. So it had a rough screening slot. But from me being having that enthusiasm and like telling that room, hey, we got to call this filmmaker and cheer on that his effects team just won best special effects for me doing that whenever we went to screen the movie that day there were like people that went to the award ceremony they're like i have to see this movie you hyped it up i was like well hell yeah (laughs) but we had cat sick blues out here and uh man i wish more people would see that movie because it's just a dark weird movie and the guy that made it is a filmmaker but he's also an elementary school teacher and uh he teaches in japan right now and man, what's his name? Yeah, Dave Jackson. Wow, you knew that right off the top of your head. Yeah, um, but he's a school teacher, and he po- and in Japan, and he posts really funny things that his classroom says to him. Like, it makes uh, me want to live in Japan just so I can laugh at everything. Because boys have penises, girls have vaginas. <laughs> I wish it was that. <laughs> I forget some of it. I'm gonna. I'm now. I'm gonna have to go through his uh, Facebook feed and just watch some of the things he posts, but. It's a very gnarly film uh, that Wild Eye Distribution have, but Cat's Dick Blues. But some of the, sometimes some of the best movies happen on nights that you know not a ton of people show up for. So yeah. I guess that's the unfortunate thing. At the Strand, on movie requests, this will tie into Pandemonium right now, but when I was doing screenings at the Strand, there was one year that the Strand was like, let's show some, like what you think some of the best horror movies or cult classics are and that was super fun to pick those we had reanimator and uh psycho and pet cemetery and uh et i think was the same year or we did gremlins one and two i can't, can't Ooh, remember, gremlins but, two but we uh <laughs> when we showed pet cemetery though anywho pet cemetery was the mo- the second most requested movie like at every event people would be like you should show, and number one, though, was Rocky Horror. Like, everybody's like, you guys should, should get the Rocky Horror Picture Show here. You should get the Rocky Horror Picture Show here. And the theater used to always say there, too, that the reason why they didn't is because, like, they didn't want to... It was all volunteer-based, so they didn't want to have to do the cleanup. And then, at the time, I think, like, to show the movie, they would have had to agree to do several screenings. Uh, and oh, yeah. That was kind of the exclusiveness of the event is, like, it's a one-night deal. Yeah. So we couldn't get it for that reason. But the number two most requested was Pet Cemetery, And I remember that night being like, where the hell is everybody? Like, everybody used to ask for Pet Cemetery. Now it's here. And we showed a movie called Pieces of Talent after it. And Pieces of Talent was just a mind-blowing uh, debut horror feature from this director. And he actually, this is crazy, fun fact about Pieces of Talent, uh, his camera that he used he bought a uh, damn it I'm trying to think of the name of the camera anywho he he bought like the black magic or no it wasn't a black magic oh. it was a uh, red yes a oh, red yeah, a red. red 2 camera that they used on the dark night <laughs> he had rented it hmm. from the same place where oh, they rented shit. it so that's why he said whenever he got it what year was that because I think red was pretty new in like 2010 like you had to you had to if you wanted a red, you had to rent it from this 
company that made the camera, and then a guy had to come with it. Really? Like you, you had to have a guy come with it. But huh. about about what was it? Nobody showed up for Pet Cemetery. You got to take Lloyd Kaufman's advice. He never gives the, his fans what they want because he's learned. He's he's learned. He's like, okay, I'm going to do what the fans want. They want Toxic Avenger to have a re VHS redo or whatever. And so he repackages a Toxic Avenger VHS box set. Nobody cares about it. It was like the most requested thing right. ever. So he's like, something. there's something about that. People don't know what they want, I guess. So you got to think of something else and just like shock them, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. People don't, people don't know what they like. True, yeah. There's always that one moment, though, where you're like, I'm going to get a bunch of people here, and it happens. Yeah. Those are the nights that you're, you know, you're just like bewildered. I wouldn't that. know. So, <laughs> shut up, Charlie. You've had some good ones. Out I here, don't think man. we. I don't. I. I haven't had any ones that, where I where I picked both movies and had a bunch of people. I don't think so. It's so much different too when you're just attending things. Like you're like, this is a damn good turnout. But if you're the one putting them on, sometimes you like look at those twenty cars and you're like. This isn't a good turnout. There yeah, I'm like I'm like here. super optimistic, so I'll be like, man, this is a great turnout. And then Joe's like, <laughs> Joe's like, oh yeah, well, we didn't even break even, so you know. Oh, damn, like, yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah, the aspect. I guess the man keep that door closed with me because I don't like to. I, I'm too nice of a person to find out. Oh, you lost money. How much do I owe you? Thanks yeah, for letting us yeah, do that. Exactly. You know, like, I was like, oh well, how much do I owe? Yeah. But there's a couple so, moments where we've had like just crazy bonkers turnouts one at the strand one of the coolest things that happened at the strand was i wanted to show gremlins at christmas time like they used to always show elf at christmas time and i was like can we show gremlins too and they were like like gremlins as well or gremlins too like gremlins as well okay so i was going for gremlins right and they said that when they went to book gremlins the studio immediately was like well if you give us $100 more, we'll let you show Gremlins too. And I remember, I can't remember who at the Strand that helped with the booker with that. But when they asked me, I was like, wait, so how much is Gremlins? And they told me the price. And then they're like, and with Gremlins too, it's only that much more. So it was like, I didn't even care if they lost money at that point. Because I was like, we're getting Gremlins too, people. <laughs> and Gremlins like, too isn't I, a Christmas movie, is it? No, no. And okay. absolutely not at all. And that was the best part about that, though. was like It was like, the Strand were cool about advertising it as like an alternative Christmas movie that they're having besides Elf. So like it pulled out people that obviously love Gremlins, people that have heard about the hype of Gremlins but haven't seen it and then people that are just like bringing their kids so like we had quite a bit of kids there and I remember like begging people like stay for Gremlins too. Like you have to what was awesome though was a lot of people did stay Uh, I mean sure some people dipped out but the vast majority of people stayed and whatever before the movie I'm like so who hasn't seen Gremlins 2 and what was so crazy was so many people that were there didn't even know there was a Gremlins 2 so it was like even better hmm. to be well, it's like you're going to see this oh the best way now <laughs> like in a theater and you've never seen it before and I was so happy that night too because there's so many great songs in Gremlins 2 like I'm like yeah that's Slayer blasting through the strand and that was one of the and you got the, the Gremlin with the little the JJ too. Lipstick. And there's like a few hundred people there to where it was like, shit, yeah, son, we're all watching Gremlins, but there were some nights like... Did you ever watch that Keel and Peel skit? <laughs> yeah. That's the greatest thing. That's probably I'll play how a, they I'll play a Gremlins clip of that. Too, anyways. I'll play what that clip need? in this. Yeah, you should. We'll just play it during the break. Just 
There's one other Sensations movie. God, I go off on these tangents. There's one other Indie Sensations movie I haven't talked about. And so it'll be the last movie we show at Indie Sensations this year. Uh, on October 21st, after Synchronic, is 10 minutes to midnight. I guess we vaguely talked about it. Yeah, because we, then we, we but then we started talking about 2 minutes to midnight and <laughs> yeah. 10 to midnight. 10 minutes and, to midnight. Uh, uh, 10, 10 seconds, seconds to love. love. <laughs> it stars Caroline Williams, who we all love from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And this kind and of Roadhouse. And Roadhouse, of course. <laughs> this movie kind of reprises yeah. her. Uh, Don't unplug us, Joe, please. Uh, I'm going to try not to. A few minutes later. <laughs> you okay with that? Incriminating evidence. Turned it back on. Oh. But yeah, these indie sensations, as much as... Uh, I want to do them. Joey wants to do them. So yeah. the man oh, yeah. of the hour again, Joe Godin of the and we Skyline want them. is we, just as much a part them. of these as me. Definitely won't. I'm just good at talking about them, sort of. I've gotten used to telling people to come do them. So. And it's hard to tell people to come do them sometimes because you have to listen to their bullshit. And yeah, I've, kind of, I've been on yeah, one of those yeah, years yeah. where I've been calling people out on their bullshit quite a bit. And the number one is, like, my friends who aren't he- even here tonight that would love to be here that are 15 minutes away talking about how they have to do something early in the morning. And I have friends that have to do something in the morning that are here that live three hours away. Yeah. Not acting like well, those bitches that, about it. Yeah, the people so, that bitch about having to work in the morning, I always go, I'm working in the morning. Yeah. I got to get I gotta get up and be at work at 5, so... And it's fine if you no come excuse. and you can only stay for a movie or something like yeah. that. That's fine. As but long as you pay. People that just, or people that tell me 15 times how excited they are to do it, and then they're just not here. Once we have your money, you can leave. <laughs> and I don't know if, you know, the anxiety <laughs> factor is hitting people, but it is a pretty happy place out here always. Even when there is a great flood of pandemonium, it's somehow still a happy place, even though yeah. I don't like watching movies in the pouring down rain while my feet are cold and wet no. but I still ate those nachos and watched Night of the Demons with a smile on my face so. and Curtis and I made sure we tried to stop the water from going into the concession yeah. stands but we failed but we tried next time we'll check the weather and bring sandbags like that'll be part of the admission it's like in order bring for this to happen this weekend everybody has to pay admission and bring two sandbags BYOSD you know <laughs> And some slapjacks. <laughs> yeah. And then we got to go to Grandma's in the morning. Oh, yeah, the I was going to... Okay, so Mark, what did you think of Grandma's? Ah, great food. Yeah, I, I, got, I got the Irish skillet. Um, nice. You know, threw some hot sauce on that corned beef hash. It was delicious. Grandma's Pancake House is legendary, too. They, uh, yeah. I don't know if you guys knew this, but when they first opened up... No? I don't know anything about Grandma's. (laughs) No, no, go, please. Yeah. So when they first opened up, they were just like an entirely a Greek restaurant. And of course, here in Shelbyville, Indiana, Mm -hmm. some Hmm. of the locals are like, Greek! (laughs) We'll just go to the Chaparral Cafe, you know? Mm -hmm. But little did they know, if you went in there, you could get all the great stuff that Grandma's Pancake House has. 
But what they needed was a, a fine American name, right? Mm-hmm. Like Grandma's Pancake House. So they rebranded themselves. And but I remember them as just a Greek restaurant. And one of the cool things, and I, someone there, event, at some point I'll go in there and I'll see someone that used to work at that version of Grandma's Pancake House, and I'll remind them of this. But at one point I remember thinking it was the coolest place because they were so hard up for business. They would give you free fries with every purchase. Like, no matter oh, what you yeah. wanted, you could get free fries. <laughs> and I was such a cheap little kid, I would ride my bike down there, and I would get a fountain drink and a cup of nacho cheese, and then they would give me free fries. And I would liter- <laughs> And the fries, by the way, were like an enormous pile of fries. Mm. So you'd go in there and pay like two fifty and get shit tons of fries. And I'll re- sometimes I'll go in Grandma's Pancake House and like, Hey, do you remember the free fries? Like, I like being that guy. That reminds me of those dark days when they're like, how do we get people to try our new restaurant? Give them free fries. And then eventually someone smart was like, let's just change this damn name. And I can't remember what it was called before, but it was called, like, something Greek. Not something Greek, but it was called something Greek. <laughs> something Greek. Yeah. And Shelbyville people were not trying it. And I, at the time, you know, I wasn't trying Greek food either. But whenever I went in there and I was like, well, damn, you can get blueberry pancakes. Like... We have a Greek. Being like uh, so stoked for that, but I always just milk the free fries until they rebranded themselves. Then all of a sudden, you go in there and there's like old people hanging out. Like it's the old people hangout. Grandmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we have a Greek restaurant in Knightstown, and they didn't even try to bother yeah, to name it anything up. but Gas Grill. And what's funny is there's a man. There's another restaurant, breakfast like restaurant chain in India, and I can't think of it right now. Lincoln My uh, Pancakes. Yeah, Lincoln House. Lincoln Pancakes. Yeah, yeah, Lincoln House uh, Pancakes. Lincoln, yeah, Lincoln, Square. Lincoln Square. Lincoln Square. Lincoln Square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lincoln Square. And uh, that's the same thing, though. You go in there, and I don't know if you can, like, if you're like me, and you just eventually get that a restaurant is like, oh, these people are all family running this restaurant. But I can pick up on that sometimes. And whenever I went to Lincoln Square at one place, I was, like, seeing some family drama, I thought, with my meal. And then eventually I just asked the server, I was like, do you like are you are you family with everybody here and she's like oh yeah we're fighting and just flat out told me and then i was like oh shit i bet they're greek family and then my friend nicole worked there and she confirmed it with me because i didn't want to be rude and ask that question you guys greek oh you want to oh you're fighting are you one of the greeks i mean you make good leg of us american families don't fight (laughs) right we just love each other we just watch tv (laughs) yeah and then you know out of nowhere somebody shoots somebody by the yeah, way, yeah, yeah. We just go, we just weekend. go postal after a while, you know. Yeah, because I was thinking about what. Okay, I definitely want to try a slice because I was thinking about getting one of those. Yeah, but yeah, we got some specialty. The pieces. only thing missing at an indie sensations, by the way, guys, is a grandma's pancake house. <laughs> if only we could have the expansiveness of the seven-page grandma's pancake house mm-hmm. menu here. We almost do, though. Almost, yeah. <laughs> Certain weekends, almost. Thank you, by the way, Grandma. I did the old standby. I got two pancakes, two pieces of bacon, two sausages, and a juice. Cosmo. I'll take one. Yeah, we might as well just end this. And so, any sensations, come out and say it, you assholes. Bye. Thank you. You talking about a gremlin with glasses who could talk and sing New York, New York? That's brilliant. It's in the movie done. Whoa, whoa, you, you said that nothing was final. That was before I heard the words Brainy and Gremlin in the same sentence together. It's done. I love it. It's in the movie next. What about a uh, spider gremlin? 
You mean a gremlin with eight legs and a thorax just catching pretty ladies in a web in an office building? Oh my God, it's in the movie. I love it. Next. What about a bat gremlin? You mean a gremlin with leathery wings just flying around, flip-flopping, bust through a wall, make a perfect bat symbol in the wall, get outside, get in some wet concrete, jump up on a building and just dry in place like a gargoyle gremlin? We are cooking with gas now. I love it. It's in the movie, Next. Could there be a female gremlin? Lipstick, boobies, bitch, you have me and little gremlin but JJ. I love it so much that it's not only in the movie, but it's definitely in the movie. There's no backseats on that one, no penny taxis. Yes, 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 in the movie, done! That's why we need a woman in the writer's room. Next. I don't know. A googly-eyed gremlin? But you do know, because you talk about a gremlin whose sole purpose in this film is just that he looks stupid as fuck, yes. It can be in the movie, and it is in the movie. Done. Next. What about you, Silver Fox? Um, electricity gremlin? You just said noun and gremlin, like you play in Mad Libs. You're just like a child. You have the brain of a child. You do not have a high IQ, but you haphazardly came up with a gremlin that's just made out of bolts that is zigzagging all over the room and is done completely in animation. You a crazy person, and your idea's in the movie. Done. Next. Uh, can we put the Hulkster in it? What? You talking about putting Hulk Hogan, professional wrestler turned actor, turned cultural icon in the movie where he break the fourth wall of the movie he's in by talking to the audience. You, sir, are a raging psychopath. Don't let this down, take that away from you. Uh, welcome back, Flipside Cinema listeners. Uh, I've been uh, Mark Edward Hoyk, uh, the special guest for this episode. Uh, the, sun, the sun is setting, and uh, in a few minutes, the first uh, film of the program, Rolling Thunder, will be starting. And uh, if you've uh, seen that film or the ninth configuration enough times, you know that Barry on San Antone is the unofficial national anthem of uh, the drive-in set, which means we all need to stand at attention and be respectful. So I just want to say it has been an enormous pleasure and privilege to sit in on this podcast episode and talk about uh, rare movies and the drive-in and collectibles and scary things and niche culture, and I am glad that you joined us to listen to this uh, sojourn tonight, and please keep uh, listening to the program, and please keep supporting anywhere and everywhere they gather large numbers of people to watch a movie in the dark. And we will see you on the flip side. Get so far ahead of the game that the past can't catch up with you. 
And now the crowd goes quiet as he sits down to his desk, pen held lightly but firmly. He dips the pen in the ink, and he's off. He's writing the first word, uh, but it's not a word. Oh, no, it's a doodle at the top of the left-hand margin. It's a piece of meaningless scribble. And he signed his name under it. Oh, this is not a promising start at all for the author. 